This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Van listeners, and welcome to episode 90 of the Radio Free Van podcast, a Warhammer 30k Horus Heresy podcast. My name is Michael. I've got my co-host, Derek. Here, go and say what's going on, Derek. Konnichiwa, bitches. We've got a very sick Scott over there. Go and say what's going on, Scott. I usually reserve this time to say something totally stupid and minorly witty, but I'm going to use it for the good this time. Same Beecher Jones. Feel better, buddy. Hope you're fucking. Hope you're on the mend. Oh yeah, very, very, very classy shout out to powerful yeah, Sam Breacher right. Jones over there after his little motorcycle spill. And we also have powerful yeah, Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. Hello, everyone. And uh, let's all take a moment for powerful Sam. He's still alive, so we don't have to take a moment. Yeah, okay. It was a moment for speedy recovery. Yeah, I was pretty sure he was okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's fine, actually. But get a new hobby. Stop riding motorcycles. That shit's dangerous. Get butts pass. No, I don't know. It's yeah. It's not if it's gonna happen. It's when. when Mur- yeah. Murder cycles. <laughs> Murder cycles. So anyway, boys, we have a very special episode for this time around. Obviously, last episode, we talked about this episode being the Zone Mortalis special. I didn't want to say episode again. So <laughs> so anyway, that's what this is. It's going to be the Zone Mortalis special. Uh, let me let you know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about we're going to do our normal opening and hobby progress like we do every show. Scott's going to give us some LVO talk. He's going to lay down some... Some stories, sweet, sweet stories of seeing Jonathan's junk over at LVO. Uh, then we're going to talk about some Weekender stuff. Uh, obviously, the Weekender just happened. There was a number of new units that were released. Beautiful, beautiful units. Some fucking game-changing units. Some not-so-game-changing units. And then, of course, you know, some some questions were answered. Uh, some talks were had. It was just a great time. It was the Horus Heresy Weekender this weekend. If you didn't know that, that's where all those pictures you were all seeing on the internet came from. Uh, we had powerful Dan Sir Coxman on, on scene uh, getting us all of the answers we needed. And... Thank you, Dan. Thank you for doing that for us. Uh, so we're going to be having that weekender talk. We're going to go over all that. We're actually going to cover all the new units real quick. We're just going to do some speculation. We're just going to do some overview on those new units that we saw. And then we're going to talk about some Zomortalis for you. We're going to go over an overview of Zomortalis. We're going to talk about like just the basic rules differences from your normal games to Zomortalis. Uh, we're going to talk about some battlefields and different terrain that you can play on in Zone Mortalis that you should expect to see and then maybe give you some ideas if you you know, don't want to go spin the cheddar on that sweet Zone Mortalis board. You can you can just build up you know, just a normal 4x4 and we'll give you some ideas on, on what you can do with that. Uh, then we're going to talk about uh, different stratagems that come with Zone Mortalis. Uh, I was completely unaware there were even stratagems. I was just playing straight up normal Zone Mortalis until Ryan came and enlightened me on the coolness that our stratagems about a year ago and now we're finally I'm finally building some up. But 
we're going to talk about stratagems and what you can do with them and some of the fun things you can do with stratagems. So the next time you do go to a Zone Mortalis game, you can be the cool guy to say, hey, man, I brought my own stratagems. Oh, you're not you're not playing any? Hmm, okay, that's fine. That's cool, I guess. And uh, then we're going to talk about how to prepare your army for Zone Mortalis games, how to get your army prepped up for Zone Mortalis. Uh, and we're going to talk about some units that don't really come into their own unless you're playing Zomortalis. So maybe some useful units if you're going to be building a Zomortalis dedicated force. And then we're going to talk about... That's the... not a definitive statement. That's just my opinion. Play what you want. Yeah. So anyway, you know, what Ryan said, but, you know, there's a lot of people that write Ryan lists. So, <laughs> <laughs> And then we're going to talk about the Zomortalis Rite of War and what you can do with it in some mortalis so hopefully and and from here on out for the rest of the show i'm just gonna say zm i think everybody is that fair zm zm i'm just gonna say zm every time instead of zone mortalis because that's a lot a lot of zone mortalis i've already said i just say zone zone i play zone zone. that's even shorter yeah all right cool so i'm gonna say zone for the rest of the for the rest of the show because jesus christ so that's what we got lined up for you boys so, anyway, let's talk hobby progress. Who wants to start? Uh, I can confidently state that 100% of my orbital assault list is tabletop ready. Not quite done at the detail level I want it to be at, but everything, like all my drop pods, all my infantry is all where I'm comfortable putting it on the table and not being an asshole. Still deckling stuff Good up there. Job, Derek. Dude, I'm slapping deckles like a mad motherfucker. Like, uh, I'll post up some pictures once I get them matted back down because the, they're still real shiny. But I've got about one of my infantry squads pretty much done. Like, I've got them all deckled up. I'm comfortable with how they look. I don't think there's a whole lot more I can do to them other than, like, touching up their bases. But I still have, like, th- three, more inf- three or four more infantry units to go. And then uh, two out of my three characters are good. But uh, my last Speaker of the Dead, I just need to touch up a little bit. Uh, just stuff like touching up their faces, uh, squad markings, and decals. And then I need to do some touch-ups on the drop pods, just detail stuff like rivets, and maybe some interior work. But where I'm at now, I'm comfortable throwing it on the table. It looks good. That's beautiful. I'm That's excited. awesome. Who said berating your friends until they get stuff done? Doesn't work out. Thank you, Scott and Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't have done it without you. People who don't follow uh, fucking Burt Kreischer and uh, Tom Segura. Crystals and Tom Segura. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. Blonde Chrysler. (laughs) But yeah, that's what I'm up to. Uh, Also slapping some tanks together. I got most of my rhinos kind of fitted together, like dry fitted. Some stuff still needs to be like bent and shaped and then some gaps filled and then still like just looking at that spartan just trying to figure out where to start hey real quick who uh who taught you the your decal applying method did you reach out to ryan for that or did you just figure that out on your own i might have reached out to ryan for that okay and he gave me some pointers okay i had a feeling basically his pointers were hey so Microsoft and Microset are great, and you should use them. And I just showed him. I gave him some links to some YouTube videos. 
Yeah. To show the proper method. So you come out of, come out of the gate with like super super gloss on the whole fucking yeah, model. You, you gloss the model right the fuck up with like two or three coats of gloss, and then slap the decals on, and then maybe one more coat of gloss just to seal it, and then mat it back down. And then turn around and start matting that sucker. They look good. They look they look almost like seamless seamless decals, which is very cool. And it, it, that's pretty much like standard standard the what's coming out of Ryan's little hobby shop over there and what's coming out of Scott's little hobby shop. So I think you've I think you finally conquered the decal game. Yep. Just got to uh get more comfortable with stencils and I think I'll be fucking set. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you come out with with your uh with your uh my tanks. With your tanks boy. Yeah, I got a lot of negative space to work with. I got to, you know, I lucked out on that Leviathan. I tried to replicate that on my Contemptor. Didn't work out so great, but I don't know. From the tanks, I'll be able to do it, like, from the ground up, just plan out where I want stuff so I can do it before I've got it all fully assembled. I've never seen anybody use negative space on the chest piece of Mark III armor to put decals, so very good on you for putting decals there. Hell yeah. That's like, if you look at, uh, like, Mark yeah. 6 and 7 stuff, typically the chest pieces are never, like, blank. Yeah. So, doing that, like, just some of the decals on the chest of the Mark 3 really makes it pop. Love it. You're doing great, Derek. I'm proud of you, Derek. Thank you. I think everybody right now is, like, that listens to this show pretty regularly is like, good job, Derek. <laughs> like, Thank you, listeners. They, they, I'm, I'm so glad that, like planned, they got to grow with you. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> whenever we first got you on the show, I was like, yeah, they'll grow with you. They'll, they'll listen to Derek and become a hobby a hobby titan. They'll, they'll learn to like you <laughs> as you get better and more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. What about you, Ryan? What you been working on? Nothing? Cause you're... Death Guard. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm five power armored guys away from being ready for Adepticon on, on the army front and then i want to start terrain or well i've started terrain already but start like fully 100 percent focused doing nothing but terrain that's super fucking excited are you are you over the top ready for terrain or ready to be done with death guard i'm i'm ready to be done just because i'm anxious to get started on terrain because i'm a nervous fucking wreck and want to just be done with this whole thing and be there and enjoy it. Uh, the lead up to this has not been pleasant. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> it's not something I want to experience again. Um, <laughs> then we'll be good. But uh, yeah. So it's just it's one thing I can tick off the list and not have to worry about. Um, I told myself I was going to stop J- February 1st. And just focus on terrain whether I was done with my army or not. But I'm so close. I only got five guys. I don't think you know, three or four days is going to make or break me. So I'm just going to go ahead and finish them and then start on terrain. Fuck. Yeah. You earned it. Just complete, complete the, you're in the last run there. So, and then obviously things in my personal life that we were joking about before the show have not (laughs) uh, helped out in that manner. (laughs) Shit fountain. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to get like, I had food poisoning, for a day and a half, which was bad. And at the exact same time, my 
sewer line that runs from my house to my septic tank uh, broke, so I haven't had any water or whatever. But we didn't know it was broke, so obviously we're just using water like normal. All the lines in the house filled up, and I had sewer water running from the upstairs through my drywall into my basement. And I have, now have holes cut in my ceiling, a uh, ruined drywall, a ruined front yard. They're going to have to dig up my sidewalk. They have to, it's going to be a giant mess. So, yes. living in a state of disarray. And I was dealing with that while having food poisoning, literally at the exact same time. <laughs> the most important time that you need some sort of working sewage <laughs> and some sort of working flow of... Nothing's more fun than unbolting a toilet while using the toilet to vomit in. I can tell you that. Like, that's that's an experience. <laughs> oh, my God. And then once you get it fully unbolted, you just transition to the sink because there's no longer a toilet while you're working on the toilet. There's just a hole. <laughs> a hole then that you, get a, you don't want to smell. Then you have smell. the shit smell because you're, you're using a drain snake to plow through the, you know... The, the shit build up in the toilet line because you don't know that your main is broke outside. So you're already sick and then you're covered in fucking feces so you're smelling shit and you're running this drain snake down through there while you're ill and can barely lift your arms and then have to take a break to puke in the sink every ten minutes. It's it's a joy. It's a joy to behold. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> we are going to get some fucking stories now. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> we got some... <laughs> voicemails coming man <laughs> oh my goodness somebody's recording one right now i can tell you i don't know what's going but, on man like i don't i don't know how we all got sick like over like over our chat like i feel sorry for jamie he needs to go quarantine himself a little bit fucking technovirus or some shit like that i don't know man I, i'm better now and supposedly they're gonna come fix uh the sewer tomorrow um and then i just have to worry about like cleaning the war crime that is my guest bathroom like there's just shit everywhere when i say shit i mean literal shit i don't mean like stuff um and then (laughs) if those walls could talk uh, my friend if those walls could talk they're just they're sealed shut with dried shit um so yeah that it's like we need the Willy Wonka like Oompa Loompa white suit scrubbed down from the one room in that movie, like in that bathroom. It's so bad. And then uh, I have to get find somebody to help me hang some fucking drywall in the basement where it ruined the drywall and clean all the carpets. So if you're in Indiana <laughs> <laughs> or anywhere by, Ryan could use a couple of strapping young lads <laughs> to come give my hand. <laughs> Strong constitutions, little. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like I said, I'm glad all that's behind me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just been had a shitload of lists to do, working on tons of heresy stuff. Uh, yeah, I showed Michael my stack of heresy homework. It's quite significant. <laughs> so we tried. Uh, we tried in the Patreon chat. We were trying to figure out a method. <laughs> to make it to where people didn't write directly in. We we're, were talking about like maybe doing like a, a Radio Freest Van list help Facebook group to see if like maybe we can just like get a bunch of people on there and if they're asking for help for lists, they can just go to the Facebook group and then go put their well, list up. It's normally not a problem 
It's just that, like, I, I got, I like, hey, I now have more time in my personal life. And then I get fucking sick. Then my sermon blows up. Then they jerk me around. They didn't jerk me around. They sent me to a different work location to set up a whole new storeroom. So literally all the time I had for list like was gone. So I haven't like really been able to touch anything. So starting Monday, my sewer will be fixed. I feel better. And I go back to my normal work schedule. So we should be good now. But now I'm like super far behind. So I need to get I'm going to try to do everything I can this week to get fucking caught up at everything off my plate and be back at square one. I'm going to try to get my fucking Death Guard army done. Every single one of these lists done. And uh, get all the missions. I already got most of the missions for Adepticon written. I just need to, like, they're just kind of in shorthand. Like, this table's going to have this mission. These are the ideas. But I need to, like, actually type it out where I understand in my head. Like, I look at it and I go, this is how I want it to play. But I need to put that in words that a stranger can read and know what the fuck they're doing. If that makes sense. Yeah, if you want us to playtest, dude, let us know. And I'm sure there's a number of our listeners that will also playtest missions for you as well if you want to shoot those out and, you know, we can have people... Well, I was hoping to get it done in time and the t- that's why I wanted to get done like a month early originally because I was going to do the thing where I set all the tables up one at a time here and shot my video just like I did for my event here. You have the little QR codes. But I don't know that I'll get the terrain done with enough lead time to do that. 10-4, dude. Like I said, if you need playtesters, just put the put the stringer out there, man. I'm sure there's tons of people. And then, you know, we won't, of course, release the missions to the entire Adepticon group, but... Oh, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I mean, every table has a different mission, and you're only going to play on two of the 15 tables. So, it's not like it's going to do you any good to memorize everything or whatever. Yeah, you're right. It's also the most, like, loose do what you want, have fun fucking event ever. Like you get to pick your opponent. I don't fucking care if you change your list at the table, as long as everybody's agree. Like, I don't care. Like it's really just hanging out, getting to play two big games of Harris, you get to meet new people and all that. That's like the point of it. And then have cool terrain and fucking awesome missions to play. I dig it, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing the terrain once it's all done. So, what about you, Scott? What you been working on? Me, I have been working on my World Ears Apothecary. So I, I have like a Gallon Surlac looking conversion I posted up um, a while back. In the Apothecary models, there's only two sculpts, right? So I freaking I bought I bought a bunch of those. I have like three general ones, and then my Primus Medicaid Gallon Surlac one. Uh, in an effort to make sure those look as different as possible from, from you know, just looking like I literally the same model, posed the same exact way, painted the same way, yada, yada, yada. I, I like, took a Dremel to them and cut their heads off. And it's kind of a pain in the ass because they mold the head as part of the body. So if you want to take it off and make it not look like shit, you really do have to, like, cut, cut part of the head off, drill into the torso, and then basically sculpt out what it would look like if there was, you know, a model who didn't have a helmet on there. So that's what I did with those, and that took a pretty long time. I got them all all uh, magnetized up for, for uh, jump packs. I'm going to, you know, put them with my assault marines, things like that, when I get those done. But uh, 
hopefully if I'm feeling better by uh, Saturday, I'll get to play my first like game at 2,500 points with my world leaders, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, other than that, I'm working on these. Uh, I have some Mark V Marines. I'm going to use this tactical support Marines with flamers. I'm going to bomb the extra close combat weapon uh, chain axe since they're world leaders, and then call these my Scalithrax pattern world leader tactical support Marines. So kind of the concept of just crazy ass dudes running around, jumping out of Anvilus, shooting 10 flamer shots into a unit, and then charging them with rage and chain axes or should be pretty good so we'll see how it goes but uh uh do you want me to talk about lvo now or wait until yeah I dude let's hit up lvo okay so lvo man um first off it was a lot of fun it's my first time ever getting to go to vegas and you know that's always a special time in a young boy's life but um i was really excited i knew i was going to get to meet the dudes from the golden throne who we've had on this podcast we've had tail and uh, aj on here before and they're they're great dudes, a lot of fun to hang out with, and they put forth effort into, into ensuring LVO even had a narrative event. And uh, I was very appreciative of that. So I was super excited to go. A little little on the, on the health front, when I was leaving Louisville <laughs> Airport, I fucking ate, ate at a pizza place. I'm not going to fucking die my mouth. But <laughs> I ate at a pizza place, and I got fucking contaminated, bro. I ate a tainted slice That's before I got on that What kind of plane. topping? What kind of topping was on that sucker? Like chicken? Uh, okay, so no. Um, what the <laughs> fuck was on, man? Like, it I wasn't know. anything. Was not anything. It was like very innocuous and greedy. It was kind of like a, a raw fancier egg. pizza place, as fancy as a pizza place can be. That's in the fucking airport. But anyhow, I fucking it didn't taste fucked up going down. All right, and uh, about 30 minutes after I ate it, I was like, oh, man, I'm feeling a little weird. Got a little indigestion. Maybe I ate that pizza a little too fast. So I go to the bathroom before we board our flight, and I'm like, I think I'm going to fucking throw up. Like, what is wrong with me? So I start to throw up, and then I'm, like, forcing myself. I'm like, fucking, let's just get it out now. I'll be good on the flight. I can have some cocktails on the flight. I'll wash all it down. I'll kill whatever this is with alcohol. It's <laughs> not medical science. Solid at all. plan. Not how, not how your body functions. So I'm throwing up, and then all of a sudden I'm like, whoop! Like something jars loose inside me. We're going the other direction. Fuck, now we've got a problem. Okay, my Vegas vacation is going down fucking hill fast. So I have shit. So sit down. Shit. I think everything's out of me. I'm like, whatever. Okay, fine. Little speed bump on the road to something great. Well, fuck. Don't let this stop you, Scott. So I go get on that plane. And I'll give you the synopsis of how this went. I got to pre-board the flight because my brother had a broken foot. And I had to carry some of his luggage and shit. So I got to sit pretty close to the bathroom, which is good. Because according to the people who were with me, I went to the bathroom on that four-hour flight 15 times. Now, that doesn't actually allude to the number of expenditures my body had. (laughs) Because when I was in that little airplane bathroom, every time that I was shitting, I was also 
throwing up into the little doggy bags they have next to the fucking hand washing station. And every time I would go in there, some asshole who never fucking flies and can't look up to see the bathroom occupied sign in the middle of the goddamn aisle would come up and start pulling on the door. Like it was a faulty door and like, well, I pulled it once, but it didn't open. So now what am I going to do? I know I'll fucking pull it and have a spasm like a Michael J. Fox fucking tweaking out Parkinson's stuff. <laughs> While I'm throwing up and shitty Come on. Here, I was fucking beyond furious, dude. Oh, my God. So whatever. We get to Vegas. The whole night there is lost, too. I can't do anything. I just go and fucking cry myself to sleep in the, in the hotel room, hoping I feel better. Anyhow, next day rolls around. It's Friday. And I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm going to get up move around. I'm going to force myself to have a good time. So I go walk around and uh, see, you know, the the typical tourist white guy shit you do in Vegas. Just look at Look at big buildings and things, take pictures, eat in and out burger, things like that. Um, I do run into AJ and and uh, John and Teo and meet those guys for the first time, and they're fucking awesome dudes. I got the badass Dylan, you son of a bitch picture from Predator with Jonathan <laughs> while we were playing a team game, and that was like the highlight of my heresy career. It was fucking awesome, so... <laughs> Uh, I got to play a, a team game with those two with those guys. Me and me and Taylor were both Iron Warriors players for the event, and then uh, AJ plays Mechanicum and John plays Sons of Horus. So they were on the other team. I think we fought it out to a draw, so nice mutual draw, cool game. Um, the event started on Saturday, and I think. Uh, the guy who was the head TO for this, his name is David Legg, and he, he does the Northwest Heresy podcast, and he put a lot of effort into this. He We ended up getting like 40 players. It's quite a bit between all the events they were off. So uh, pretty good, pretty good turnout. Um, so Saturday I just played three three narrative games. Since it was narrative with this, us off loyalist trader and then hey you can pick who you want to play again so we all had our army set up and kind of people could see what everybody was running and you decided you know what you play um the very first very first dude i wanted to play against was this guy named mark who was this big loud ass awesome australian dude and he uh played imperial fist i was like well i play iron warriors so that's classic matchup and i was like if i get to play against a big boisterous Australian dude. It's kind of like being in Australia getting to play in the event series. So I get like the subliminal effect of that. And he did not disappoint. He was fucking awesome. So I had a good game with him. I played with uh, my fucking dice were on fire that game too. So much so that it was like they were so suspiciously good. Like I could do no wrong. Like you had so one too many fives? <laughs> yeah, man. On your dice? My Leviathan. They're eBay dice, so, I swear. My, yeah, my Leviathan Dreadnought, the the fucking day before that team game killed three Darkfire Cannon Castle Axe and two Leviathan Dread or in two uh, Thanatars all by himself. So he was on a fucking rampage all weekend long. 
this and the thing was he's never done shit before LVO. He usually gets immobilized <laughs> in or about the vicinity of his dry pod and then dies. But <laughs> so first off, body count starts out three fucking Darkfire Castle acts and two Thanatars in a single game, which is like a thousand points of shit. He's just fucking running rough shot through everything. In this game, he kills I think it's two predators, two rhinos, a fell blade, and a fucking unit of tactical marines all by himself. So you're looking at almost a thousand points there. And then my third game, I played against a guy named Andy, who won best painting for the loyalists. He uh, he played Imperial Fist as well. He, if you're familiar, if you watch the 30K channel, he does. Uh, David Brains does a battle report with the SN battle report guys. The dude who plays Imperial Fist in that battle report is Andy. And he has a really, really, really well-painted army. He's from the uh, gets from the Warp game group over in England. Um, that Leviathan just kept doing his, just kept doing the damn thing. Killed a Contemptor, killed a Derrideo, killed a bunch of uh, like little, or those guys, Black Templar fellas, the Killed Sword Land Raider, like just going fucking ham. I don't know what his deal was. But, was this uh, the one that I died that died to me with a single Kraken shot the last game that we played here? Yep. Yeah, there you go. Dude, <laughs> I'm telling you, it this never happens with this dude. Like he never does anything worth a fuck. And he was like, you know what? No, no more. I will not be mediocre anymore in my life. And he, he more than redeemed himself. Um so much I mean, to so be I fair, think, he did kill my entire, like, jet bike unit. Yeah, yeah, he did grease a fucking pretty big unit of jet bikes, so. But, uh, those were all awesome games. I had a really good time with all those dudes. It was cool. Nice to meet everybody, and uh, the tables were awesome. You know, we had a really, really good turnout. I thought I, don't, I didn't have any complaints about it. The only thing was, I felt like shit for most of the weekend, and that Friday during the team game, I tried to convince myself, like, you feel fine, man. You're good. We're just going to start drinking. You can have, like, a Caesar style. Oh, he locked up. I threw dinner up a little bit. Okay, I'm good now, right? Yeah, go ahead. Shoot. All right, go and keep rolling. Uh, but um, that, that's not how it works. I fucking immediately died the next day. I would go up at the, my room in between rounds and take like a 45 minute nap and then go back down and play another game and be like hey I'm Scott I'm, I'm trying to be friendly because I'm fucking really dying inside like, <laughs> but uh, but it was a lot of fun man I have no complaints all of my shit got there safely I used a KR backpack too to, to put my it fit perfectly in the overhead bins on Southwest flight my brother used a uh, battle foam pack air on the in that fit the overhead bin as well. Just fine. So no complaints. Everybody was a big fan of that battle foam export thing. I know they don't make it anymore, but they should because I think there's definitely a market out there for it. They can fucking source the parts, but uh if I I would I did come away with this little piece of advice and already kind of alluded to it. If you're going to travel somewhere in the States and you can afford it, obviously you can afford to fly Southwest because it's like the cheapest, but they have the most amount of overhead bin space, I think, and they allow the most amount of check bags for free. That's who I would fly with if it was me, if I was going to an event. 
because that's going to be the best way to make sure your shit doesn't get smashed to fucking pieces. Wherever you're from. Um, I had a lot of fun. It was really cool meeting everybody. Um, the best painted army I thought that was there was I posted this dude a picture of this dude's army. His name was Andrew, and he painted up Night Lords, and they looked fucking gorgeous, man. Like, really, really well painted army. And uh, I thought thought I'd give him a shout out for that. I know the pictures are in in that photo dump somewhere. He fucking did a very good job. So, but that was my LVO experience, man. I know it's kind of brief, but I fucking it's been two weeks and I don't remember every dirty detail. So, <laughs> Vegas is awesome. There's fucking weird lurkers out there abound. If you like to people watch, that's a great place to go and do it for sure. How many of the cars did you come back with at the the call the girls to your room cards that oh, pass out on the sidewalk? Oh, funny thing, they literally <laughs> go around and knock on do- doors, door to door at night while you're sleeping. So some random hooker banged on <laughs> our door and gone. <laughs> my, my brother answers the door and she just has a bag full of food too. So I guess it's like trying to sweeten the pot, like. <laughs> In your room, we can Here's some gas station sushi. Food. Yeah, if you're hungry. That's brilliant. I can't be mad at that. In and out and a dick Quietly hmm. The old in and out and some in and out. Well, I do have some change. How about a foot rub and some pizza? What's that cost? Yeah, what's that cost? Dude, for real. All old shit. Like, not even. Like, how uncool. Excuse me, yeah. do you derub I'm feet? too tired for any of that, but I'll take a foot rub and some pizza. I'll take a back massage, and if you can go pick up some Gatorade. <laughs> Scott's all sick. He's like, I just need some Pedialyte. And. <laughs> Really some need multivitamins. Rub some, rub some Vicks on my chest and give me some Pedialyte. Pedialyte. <laughs> Her pimp's like, what'd he make you do? <laughs> he made me rub oh, Vicks yeah. on his chest. And I, was... and I had to keep emptying his fucking vomit bucket. <laughs> Dude, it's bad. I, but, hey, AJ, John, Teo, I told you I would do this. I'm publicly shaming you. Buy your fucking heresy camp tickets. Nerds, what are you doing up there? Yeah. Oh, and here was a disappointing thing. I guess bears are not quite the mortal threat to human life that I once thought they were, but I'm hoping that turns around soon. It's just those nice. John said me straight on that, but you know I'm still holding out hope. I feel like bears are going to start taking people out soon enough up there. It was it was so funny because uh, John, we have like a little chat with like me, Ryan, and John on Facebook and John comes, he goes, man, I hate to bake the bad news to, to Scott that, you know, we really don't have too big of a bear problem. And Ryan's all, Hey man, he's traveled all the way to Las Vegas. He's sick. Just lie to him, please. (laughs) Just just lie. Don't, don't tell him that. (laughs) Oh, Teo and his, uh, Teo and his buddy went out to Giada De Laurentiis's fucking restaurant. You got to meet her and take a. Oh, take yeah? her clothes off. Take picture. Take her out to okay. date. Take She's her... a smoke show. Fucking yeah. flash. She's got him smoke show. So yeah, <laughs> you got to take a picture with her. Well, that's super exciting. That sounds like a good time. 
Those boys definitely had a good time. I can't wait to hear their uh, next Boys of the Golden Throne episode that covers LVO. Oh, yeah, their breakdown? Their breakdown of LVO. Yeah, I'm on there somewhere. I fucking, I did like a little sound snippet, so. If you listen to our last episode, uh, you'll hear them call in (laughs) from Vegas, uh, and Teo takes a shit on on the show, on the episode, so. You know, that happened. And then the follow-up call to uh, apologize. For Teo taking a shit on the voicemail. Dude, Teo's fucking hilarious. He's this big, glorious fucking Canadian man bear. He's fucking awesome. I'm telling you, dude. Like, I feel like... Everyone needs to know that, man. I feel like me and him are somehow related. I don't know how. Even though he's not Mexican, (laughs) he's definitely the darker of the the bunch. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, I feel I feel kinship with powerful Teo. I don't know if it's just a big bearded dude kind of thing, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> take what you can get. So powerful LVO man, powerful time to have a good time. Uh, glad that narrative event went so well. This was the first year for the 30k narrative, so I can definitely see it happening again. And uh, now that they have the numbers, they know that they can start hitting it and start carrying it home. Uh, it has already sparked a number of events. Like I think that a lot of the the same people that run LVO, you know, it's a lot of ITC involvement as well. I think that like a lot of these events now, like I know for a fact, Warzone Houston, the Warzone Houston GT has has officially announced after LVO that they are going to have a 30k event and it's going to be a 30k narrative. Badass. And they were hitting us all up to see how that's going yeah. if if they can get that going. And it's like wow, you know. <laughs> People are starting to see that 30k is not a tournament scene and I think they're starting to realize like hey man, if we can hold these narrative, we can get the boys in. Like they they can get them to come. That's right. So, yeah, I here with that fucking bow point shit. I don't need that in my life. I don't need that fucking strike. <laughs> yeah, dude. Do Do you even want to talk about the the fucking shit show that was the last rounds of the forty k? Because that is no sparked some no, fucking. We don't country. care. <laughs> we don't care. Custodes won the thirty k competitive shock. Moving on. Yeah. Oh wow, big shocker. Just How many people were in the narrative? Like, how many people were in, like? I, I knew there was a I didn't I didn't know there was a exactly competitive. sixteen so there were eighteen there were uh, eight loyalists and eight traders and then um that was an event they had they had a mega battle they had I don't know how many played in the, the like the competitive thing I think maybe I, I don't want to even speculate like I have no thought I wasn't paying any attention to that but uh yeah it all sounds right. I think I had. So there was the, yeah, Mega Battle, the narrative, which is two days, and then the competitive, like ish thing. So those were the events. I don't think they had anything else, but I could be mistaken. Probably. <laughs> well, that's fucking badass, dude. It's fucking wild. Funny on the Custodes thing. That's pretty obvious. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> Come on now. So. Hey, you know how many of those were in the narrative event? Zero. Exactly. Fucking, fucking zero. <laughs> decent human beings out there. No, because they're afraid of you calling <laughs> them out, man. Like, 
good fucking thing to be afraid of because I would have. I'd be like, wow, really? I love it. He ain't too sick to beat some ass. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So, I guess rolling off this LVO talk, uh, rolling straight into some, how about some weekender talk? How about we start rolling into this powerful, powerful weekender talk that needs to fucking happen? You want to you want to do the next thing? Is are you done, Scott? Yeah, yeah, man. Let's do it. So weekender happened this weekend, guys. Uh, we even start with that. Well, I got a list here. So, <laughs> but so speaking of the weekender guys, so if you've been seeing these uh, Facebook posts and running around, you're seeing all these new models that are being released, and you're listening to us, but somehow don't know what the weekender is. Uh, the weekender is something that happens at uh, the Games Workshop HQ, the Warhammer World in Nottingham. They get all of the people together, and now it's actually the the Horse Heresy slash Necromunda weekender where they get everybody together and they announce all these new models, what they're working on, future events, they have seminars, things like that. And a number of models were shown. Uh, we're actually going to go over that. So, uh, First things first, which one of the biggest ones that will, will affect heresy was the termite drill was shown. Not only was the termite drill shown, but there was also some leaked rules that managed to make it on the internet. And so... So, Ryan, how do you feel about Termite Drill? It's very cool. I don't think it, like, invalidates any other choices. Um, like, in the army list, like, there's, it's not like, oh, well, because this thing exists, there's no reason to not take any of this other stuff. Um, but on the flip side of that, I think that because this thing exists, it now makes other choices far more appealing. Like, the, the example I put on our Facebook was Breacher's. Because breachers start at 10. The way I've always felt with breachers is they pretty much have to have an apothecary to be viable on the open battlefield because you have to hedge your bets with their durability because that's what they do. I don't think that they're... Right now, they're not bad. They're not like a horrible unit. It's not like taking like a unit of breachers is like digging yourself such a hole you're not going to get out of it. Um, but they're definitely pretty subpar. But I feel like if you can put an apothecary in there it and get them in close combat or get them close or get them where they need to be, and you start getting like a five up, five up, then it's actually, you know, it's hard to get them removed. You know what I mean? Like they actually become, have some staying power, become far more useful. The problem with that is if you just take a, a base unit and throw an apothecary in, you're already at 11 guys. And then you won't fit in any of the landers. You won't fit in a Dreadclaw. You won't fit in a Rhino, so you have to buy a Storm Eagle or a Spartan or a Charybdis. So it's, you know, you're basically having to buy this kind of already expensive Breacher unit, pay another 45 points for an Apothecary, and then buy this expensive, you know, fucking transport to put them in. It's just, it, it's just weird thing. So now with this Termite Drill... You can take breachers, throw an apothecary in there, maybe even put your praetor or whatever in there with them. Throw a character in there. You got a pretty damn solid unit that's scoring that's going to stick around a while that you can get where it needs to be and not like have, you know, a buttload of points tied up into the transport. And if you have any sort of reserve manipulation, you can even push it out to late in the game to show up and just just drill onto an objective. <laughs> Be yeah, fucking bonkers. It's, 
It's pretty cool. I also like that they made it a fast attack choice like a Dreadclaw, so you can't... It's going to be hard if you don't... It's going to be... I know people are thinking that they're going to, like, double stack them, like, take... Um, because it doesn't stack with Orbital Assault, uh, there's concern, a little bit of concern, that you can take, like, three drop pods and three drills and then get four turn one when you would normally only get three for having, like, six pods. I don't think that that's like insanely broken anyway, but even so it's going to be really hard to do that because they're both fast attack choices. So the only way you're going to be able to do that would be in armies that, or be to take units that get anvilus is dedicated basically. Like if you like took like three terminator units with anvilus and then took three termites as fast and then put something in that. So it's not, it's going to be really limiting on how, you can get there, I guess. And even then, I don't think it's like a huge game-breaking thing. Because you, the thing is, it's not an assault vehicle. So once you get out of it, you're going to have to stand around in the open if you want to, you know, assault. So you're going to be exposed for a full turn, taking enemy fire before you really do anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's going to be pretty interesting to see how this starts working out. Because I definitely see it waking, making its way into people's armies, especially people who wanted to deep strike units but didn't want to have to take uh, orbital assault to unlock drop pods for people or, you know, spend all the points for an anvilus. It's it's gonna be fun. Well, plus it's it's a badass model. We didn't even talk about oh, that. It's yeah. a very like I think it's so fucking cool. I like yeah, all the is. thought put into it. I like how the guns uh, deploy out of it. Like, obviously, you couldn't have just guns on the outside of it because they get ripped off as it's boring. But they have the little doors that look like they, you know, they slide open once it gets above ground and then the guns fold out. It's just, it's really cool. I just, I don't know, man. I see it like boring landing and then those little, two little fucking Blood Angel assault cannons just, bzz, bzz, <laughs> just start unloading that <laughs> shit. It's going to be so fucking sweet. It's gonna be a cool model, man. It's gonna be it's it's definitely a little bit changing aspect of the game. It goes for all legions. It's not like a legion specific unit or anything like that. So, and it's just such a such a mundane enough model to where it's like, okay, like heresy has just grown in meta because now this is now added to a way to play. Yeah, like now you have to worry you about. A ten-man breacher a, squad fucking showing up in your backfield. I think it should be available to Mechanicum too. What do you guys think? I think some of the pictures had the Mechanicum symbols on it. Well, because it's made by the Mechanicum, but they talked well, about. I wonder if it's. They talked yeah, about in the it, new model seminar. Going to be in that. Okay, Michael, you go. Sorry, oh. we're on a delay. Michael, but, you go. Yeah, they, I thought they had said in the, in the new model seminar that they're gonna. It was gonna be for Mechanicum, and there might even be an Imperial variant for like a Militia or Solar Ox. Okay, now say what you were gonna say, Scott. Okay, so I in the little fluff column above the rules, it said something about Mechanicum having like a detachment that this is what they specialize in doing is like riding these drills up someone's ass and murdering them. So. I think, you know, there's a good chance that when this actually gets put into a book, whether it's the malevolence or something like that, maybe they'll expand it where you can take it as a fast attack choice for, like, 
Lee Jonas, Astartes, you know, Mechanical, and then maybe, you know, Imperial Militia or something like that. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I, I, I don't think it's, I think it would be something that would work with multiple armies and you got one unit entry and, it, you know, just more availability of selling that model. Kind of like how a Lightning is, like a Lightning's available in, like, yeah, fucking every army, like something like that. Yeah. And, and I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. And I think everybody, everybody I've seen, like, like this, this model probably had the most buzz and hype of all the models. Would you say? Yeah, I'm telling. It's yeah. like it's, it's just a mundane little model, but Jesus Christ, is it like it's a little workhorse, man? Yeah. Everybody sees it's like yeah, man, I like I can do it, man. With that. You know, the only thing I can compare it's it to gr- it's grim industrial as fuck. Oh, like, For real, it is. Do you remember like the Hades breaching drill? Whenever it released, everybody's like, "Oh, the fucking breaching drill!" Like, yeah, it's like. I need a drill. It's like that's kind of where where it's like all coming back again. Like just this little baby termite, fucking. It, I, I definitely see like it's gonna be like a household, a household model where you're gonna have it just like you have you know rhinos and stuff, where it's like oh well, I'm fucking termite my way up into some zone mortalis or termite my way up into some uh, you know this or that. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, and I can see people running two just to have that like late game one that just. Pops up, drops on an objective, and yeah. Hopefully, one. Well, like I, I saw Tim from Eye of Horse was talking. It would be actually be kind of neat, and even in Zone Mortalis, like as like I don't know that it would be like a standard unit you use all the time, but how cool would it be to make like a, a a mission where it's like a bigger room in the middle, and then you have to deploy via termite into the Zone Mortalis to then fight it or something like that. Fuck yeah! Where no. you drill up in the center room, and then all your squads like. Your entire army that you get for the entire Zone Mortalis mission we're talking about on this show has to deploy via fucking termite into an underground bunker or something. I, I, I definitely see something like that happening. Like yeah. I, I don't see why not. I see a lot of termites being bought, and I see a lot of whole markers being made because I'd be damned if I put I, a five-inch blast marker where my hole is. <laughs> that is one thing I'm excited yeah. to see. All these custom Gotta markers. find this little... Those little quake cannon craters they used to sell. Uh, exactly. The quake cannon craters, the moonscape craters, stuff like that. It's just, we, uh, there's craters going to be made out the ass for this little. These Surely cannons. there's somebody else, like already a third party that makes stuff like that. If you, if anybody out there knows of a third party person that makes craters that look like they'd be about the right size, let us know. I think um, somebody in the podcaster chat measured the width of it. It looks like it's three and three quarter inches wide. So to be accurate, you'd want the actual hole in the middle of the crater to be about three and three quarter to four inches wide. And then the dirt extends out to the five inches. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect, 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 man. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like or even just seeing the markers made for it. And definitely looking forward to seeing if they do push it to Mechanicum, push it over to... Uh, the Solar Ox, Imperial Militia list, things like that. It's, it's going to be fun. Uh, next thing we saw at the Weekender was the Orox or the <laughs> Solar Ox, Imperial Militia, uh, Rhino Chimera variant. I think Solar Ox are the only yep. ones who have access to it right now. Uh, but... No, it, says, it said Militia on the um, slideshow. Oh, on the Christ. picture of the actual model, it says Solar Ox slash Militia. On the rules experimental sheet, it just said Solar Ox. Yeah, it does. It says 
used by various arms of the Imperial Army, which includes the Imperial Lawless Militia, to carry veterans' grenadier units into battle to protect their commanders while dictating the course of battle. A further variant of the Agorian is used by the Solar Auxilla, retrofitted for extreme environmental conditions. So a little 35-point uh, front armor 11, side armor 11, rear armor 10, three-hole-point vehicle, holds 10 dudes. It's got a multi-laser on the top of it. Uh, it's a little tank, obviously. Two models may fire from the Orox's top hatch. Uh, the Orox has one access point from each side of the hole and one at the rear. It's got 10 model counts. The Orox may not carry any models with the bulky, very bulky, or extremely bulky special rules, which is funny because it looks like the same size as the old Rhino, which used to hold 10 Space Marines. So, <laughs> oddly enough, they started realizing that that is not enough room in there. Uh, so, an Orox may be taken as dedicated transport for the Auxilla Tactical Command sections, Velatars sections, and Auxilla Flamer sections. Uh, comprised entirely of infantry and numbering no more than 10 models. So uh, the version we're looking at right now, the version that, of the rules we have is for the Solar Auxilla version, but it looks like an Imperial Militia version's on the way. Uh, but what do you think about this, Ryan? What do you think about this new so this was guy? My, this was my personal favorite thing just because it pertains to me more than anything. I mean, I like the Termite a lot too, but I already have like a shitload of fucking drop pods. So... I, I mean, I'm still going to probably get some termites, especially like, especially for like my death guard. I feel like death guard would use a fucking termite. And I think weathering one up and like making it all dirty and filthy in my death guard scheme would be pretty rad with some breachers coming out of it. So I might have to add that to my death guard army. Um, but uh, this is something that militia desperately needed. Uh, Solar Ox already has a fairly cheap transport in Dracozin. I think it's 135 base, which isn't fucking terrible. And their units are already pretty cheap. Um, but this like was desperately needed by Militia, who only had... They had a 100-point Arvis, which is cheap, but because it has to start in reserve, you can't take a bunch of them. You know what I mean? Because you're yep. starting way too much of your army in reserve. So, really, your only dedicated transport option, unless you take Survivors, which unlock more but then you were locked into that one specific Providence. So really the only transport option was a 300 point Gorgon that the model wasn't around for, for a long time. I mean, it's now getting re-released, which is good. It's in the latest catalog and it looks like they're coming back out with a lot of the old models. Like they, they redid the dreadnought drop pod and things like that, that we actually saw photos of. Um, so I'm, my guess is that they're going to, the, my guess is the, cause the Gorgon had, you know, some, always had some issues with the tracks and stuff probably redid that as well. That's probably why it was gone for a while. Um, but anyway, yeah, this is really big. The other nice thing about it, and it, it just kind of came to me. If you, because militia, like a lot of people just convert militia and everything. I don't think anybody would have a problem with using your chimera as a stand in for this thing. Yeah. It's got pretty, it's just one armor difference in the, than the chimera. Uh, the only thing that it does... Well, it's, it's a Chimera's 12-10-10, and this is 11-11-10. Yeah, that's the only difference. And then it's both, they both got multi-lasers on top that can be converted over to heavy flamers. Uh, the Chimera holds two more people, right? But, I mean... Right, but you could just, you could yeah, just say it holds two. I'm just saying, as far as a model stand-in, I'd have to set them next to each other, but my guess is they're fairly comparable size, and they have a very comparable... Uh, look to them like if you look at the front of this thing it's got the staggered hull 
where part of the whole, like the driver's part sticks out further than the other side. Like the Chimera has that dip in it where the heavy bolter sits. Yep. So, you know, it's the same shape. And then also the hole extends in the back further than the tracks on the Chimera. Like that square center part sticks out further and is squared off in between the tracks that slope. Um, me and Perpetual Painting Dave were talking about that in our little local chat. Yeah, I wouldn't see why anybody would have a problem with you using the Chimera instead of the Orox and stand in for the Orox because it, it looks if like... I played, yeah, if I played Solar Exilla, I would definitely 100% use this Forge World model. If I played Militia, if you like this model better, definitely use it. But if you, for whatever reason, like the Chimera better or um, already own a bunch of Chimeras, I would think that this would be a way to get your finally get your Chimeras into the game without anybody, without with having a direct correlation to something they could stand in for. Yeah, exactly. Because they sure as shit ain't Dracosans, or Dracosans, or Gorgorians. Yeah. So, cool little model. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how big it is. Uh, it does look smaller than a Rhino. It looks like a the same size as like a Mark One Rhino, but I'm, I'm curious to see how big it is. Yeah, me too. I, I feel like it's I gonna... can't find the multi laser on it. It says it has a multi laser. You look at it. I can't find the multi laser. <laughs> I saw. A stubber is what it looked like, but I didn't see a multi laser. Yeah. <laughs> pew pew pew. Uh, next up on the list was the mole. So they took the Ordinatus and slapped a giant mole on it, which is like a like if you were to take the termite and triple it in size, make it into what looks like a giant m- drilling missile. They they put that on top of the Ordinatus. Uh. What about that, Ryan? What do you? What's your speculation on that? Is it going to be like a a way to get a whole army forward, or is it like a giant bomb? Um, I'm pretty sure it's a weapon. So I was actually I recorded an episode of the Outer Circle with Maka last night. Um, I don't. He just hit me up and was like, "Hey, man, do you want to do a scrub down with me?" I was like, "Yeah." Went over this stuff on there. Me and him got to talking on there, and what we came up with was. I think it's going to be similar to the Death Strike missile launcher. That what was that in Scott Fifth Edition? Did you play them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifth Edition Guard Codex, and there it's it was in like the Seventh Edition one before they went all fucking Willy Wonka style with it. But yeah, so the way that thing worked for people who aren't familiar, it had basically a countdown to fire. It wasn't something you could just say, yeah. "I go first. I'm going to shoot it." Turn one. Yeah modifiers and stuff to that role right so what had happened was when you chose to fire it you would say hey i'm going to attempt to fire it and you'd roll a d6 and you had to roll a six and if you roll the six you could fire it but you got a plus one to that roll for every turn of the game that you were on so if you're on turn two you added plus one to your roll if you're on turn three you added plus two to your roll and so on and so forth so it could very well be something like that and then just be like a super mega powerful one-shot weapon like, think of, like, when you blow up a Reaver or blow up a fucking Warlord, that big, devastating, like, nuclear reactor, like, multiple D6 explosion. Imagine a weapon that does something like that, like, a, just a huge fucking D hit to, like, a quarter of the battlefield or some strength 10 fucking hit or maybe, like, in a certain radius it's D and then a certain radius it's whatever. I don't know. Something fucking crazy. But it, I would think it would have some type of rule where it wasn't just something you could just go first and fire it. So do you think that you put the Ordinatus <laughs> down, like at the beginning of the game, 
and then first turn you remove the big missile off the back and you're like it's underground boys you better <laughs> it's coming <laughs> like there ain't nothing you can do at yeah. this point i don't i don't know it could be anything because like we were laughing like once it fires the big torpedo what then like you just have this giant fucking like wagon that's huge it's like a foot long and it's got two volkite colverns on it thunder blitz <laughs> yeah you just it's like blitz a and shit <laughs> yeah it's like you just have this giant fucking like I don't know, weird tractor frame thing with like two little bitty guns on it. Just drive it over guys. I guess. I don't know. Just an off-road vehicle, man. Just run around and start crushing shit. (laughs) It's the only thing you can do. Monster truck rally. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the model. I don't see any doors on it. So, well, I mean this round part right here kind of looks like it could be an access point, but I I think it's just a mechanical symbol. Yeah. I mean, if it is for troop transport, it doesn't really make sense for the Ordinatus chassis because it would start on the board and then just send it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, unless you had the option to like deep strike, deep strike it like normal without the Ordinatus chassis, which could be interesting if you could, you know, start it <laughs> and then kind of have some control over when. But I don't know. I, th- I think it's funny how it's like uh, you just like show them like, hey, here it is. Thanks. It's on the board, technically, I guess. And you just like, <laughs> leave it off the table. Like, uh, so yeah, you're, you're probably right. It's probably a weapon. <laughs> Man, yeah, I think it's a. I just think it's a giant torpedo. Should be fun. Should be interesting to find out. I'm looking forward to those rules. Absolutely. Uh, too bad it's on Ordinatus level because, I mean. Really, this is like them releasing a Titan to us. It's like, hey, that's cool, but it's not something that we'll ever really see because you don't really even see any Ordinatus running around right now. So, but it's going to be cool. Nothing game-changing on its way, but it's definitely going to be pretty interesting. It looks like a fun model, though. Yeah. I I don't know what it does, but it looks like some fun as shit. If I was a Tim, it would be on my shelf. I'd be showing it off. I'm a like Ryan, a, so it's a me and me. It's another fucking Lord. It's like, yeah, great. Woohoo. 700 fuck point model. I'll never play or play against. Woohoo. <laughs> Go but drill under your me. warlord. <laughs> I know I'm a fucking party pooper when it comes to that. People are just going to have to get over it. I want <laughs> some goddamn models I can play. Be a fucking rad terrain piece. Yeah. For those of you who are into taking Lords of War and making terrain out of it. I have the old Imperial Mole rules in front of me. It's a multi-launcher, TT2, heavy bolter, may carry four infantry squads, armored vehicle, tunneler. So, that's pretty nice. Hmm. <laughs> if we can only so speculate. It's like super, so, it's like a super heavy transport type thing. Yeah. yeah. It was like, well, the termite, the termite rules are right above it. The termite used to carry two infantry squads, armored vehicle, tunneler. But it also had a last cannon and a heavy bolter on the front of it. So this is on the like releasing chassis or on the actual mole itself. I don't know. I'm guessing the releasing chassis, but you know, it doesn't, it it doesn't separate the two. So it it could literally be anything. Yeah. This is back before those rules didn't matter. Uh, So yeah, four armored infantry squads and an armored vehicle somehow fit in there. Even the space Marine is the same size. There's no way an armored vehicle fits in there, but oh well. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see, boys. Yep. So we might see some uh, 
some pain trains coming out of the moles. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, next up, we saw new missile launchers for the Daredeo Dreadnought, and it was a rack of four missiles. Uh, looking at the missiles, it didn't—they didn't look like any other missiles they that I've ever seen before. The closest thing I can imagine was the Zyphon loadout, like the Zyphon missiles that come on the Zyphon. They looked pretty close to that, but they kind of looked like the old, uh, oh, what are they called? The old Hunter Killer missiles from the Lehman Russ kit. Yeah. You think it would, they, I don't know. Why would they give it eight or four leap? Why would they give it four Hunter Killer missiles when it comes with a, I'm just saying what it looks like. I'm, I have no idea what they could be. Any speculation coming from you guys in? Do you see that missile rack? Somebody said that they thought it was an AA, like a, a like a really hardcore AA missile. And then um, if you read the newest, uh, one of the newer Black Library books, Ruin Storm, there's a part in that book where there's a Daredeo, uh, Ultramarine's Daredeo shooting some word bearers down a tunnel with its missiles on its rack. And it was like, I can't remember if they were just like some type of like fire missile, like spread fire, or if they were phosphex or something like that. But some oh, type of like phosphex missiles. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? Could but you it was, imagine? It was like some Dale. type of, it was, it was some type of missile they fired into like a confined space that just incinerated a bunch of fucking word bearers. That'd be so interesting if like the, the Daredeo now has a, Fucking discharger, phosphex rack on the back of it, like a super discharger. Oh, that'd be so fucking crazy, dude. Well, I'm hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, Daredeo speculation up in the air, guys. If you have any more information on it, we're taking it. Uh, <laughs> Next up was the retro land speeder. Or I guess just the normal land speeder. <laughs> Who likes it? Who likes it? I like it. I, I, I like it. I like it, and I'm well, not ashamed you, to Scott? say that I like it. I'm okay with having a wrong I, I and don't bad feel opinion. One way or the other about it, man. I mean, I, I've never planned on playing. I have javelins, but I like the javelin. You know, I never yeah. was a fan of like just the basic. I don't. I'm not a fan. Um, I understand it. I mean, it looks just like the fucking Rogue Trader one. It's just a fully updated Rogue Trader one, so I fully understand it, but I don't like it. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I'm Nike could make an updated... I'm sure Nike them. could make updated platform <laughs> shoes if they wanted to, but, you know, they're not. <laughs> like, I just... I, like, I understand that, yeah, it's uh, completely completely doesn't make any sense the way that it works like why the fuck would you be riding your javelin around with no uh or why would you be riding your land speeder around with no front covering and uh why would you have a gun mounted overhead and like just there's so many things about it that are just wrong sitting why is in front your, of a turbine incident. <laughs> yeah like why are you sitting in front of the the way it's that very the dangerous looking very dangerous looking it is the most impractical, ridiculous fucking thing in a universe that's filled with impractical, ridiculous things. <laughs> You're just... It's you, two jet engines, and the fucking open road, boys. <laughs> 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 this is war. It's just 
introduced that thing, and they were like, okay, guys, hold on. We need to settle down. And then they built the actual land speeder land speeder. <laughs> I do. I, I, I think it was a cool way to get the updated version. To get the old version, it's a new heresy. Like, it, it definitely absolutely plays off of that old. I still think they style. should have just redone the second edition pewter one over this one. Yeah. I could see where you, like, I, I could see the second old, like, if you were to take the same amount of care and love that went into remaking this old as one into this, I could definitely see the second pewter edition one coming, coming into its own really nicely as well. Yeah. That's just me, though. I get it. People, you know, I'm not, it's not one of those things that's an absolute, like, such an abomination that I, like, physically cringe that I am for, like, if I show up to an event and my opponent sets it down, I'm not, like, biting my tongue to not say anything rude about, and, like, feeling uncomfortable that it's even on a table with my miniatures. Isn't it supposed to be, like, a uh, event exclusive kind of thing? I don't know. Somebody was saying that. Even if it is, it'll be easy to get because when they say event exclusive, they mean any event that they attend with a booth. So you'll be able to get it at Adepticon, Gen Con. Uh, were they at LVO? Was Forge World at LVO, Scott? Yeah, but they didn't have these for sale. This wasn't. Right. <laughs> right. But <laughs> what? <laughs> you saw these at LVO? But anyway. <laughs> any, anyway, what I'm getting at is like all, all of the events. Uh, like going forward, if it is event exclusive, it'll be there. So it's not. I mean, even yeah. if you can't, even if you can't make it to fucking Gen Con or Adepticon or whatever, there'll be other there'll be people in your, you know, in the U.S. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, I'm a fucking idiot. I didn't realize what you're asking. I've, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I got distracted by an internet article that asked, "Why does my dog follow me around the house so much?" And I had to know because I want to know why my dog followed me around the house so much. But you know, you're you're supposed to say we talked about this last episode. You're supposed to save shit like that for when I start going over lists, and you guys all want to zone out. All right, save it for then. (laughs) Scott's over there taking fucking love surveys and shit. (laughs) What what kind of garbage Uh, are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they they go to what they go to LVO, they go to Nova, they go to Adepticon, so they have a pretty wide net of places you're going to be able to pick this up. It's like a jam, so I wouldn't despair too much if it is an event only thing. Yeah, well, I'm not worried about it. I definitely will have the have the feelers over at different events. It'll get it. I'm gonna get mine. Don't you worry about that, boys. <laughs> oh, I would. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm definitely more excited about the third party kit that uh, you had commissioned to be made over this thing. Just being honest. Hey, well, there's there's gonna be both. So you'll have options, yeah. people. But you'll have options. Yeah. Speaking of third party commission kits happening, did you see the Cortis, the Cortis Dread that got dropped? No. What? What? Yeah. So so they re- they had a Cortis Dreadnought. That was slated to be released, but got dropped. Like they decided that no, it just didn't meet the standards that they want, and they ended up not releasing it. Uh, it was on the 30k Sweden page. I thought y'all had seen it. I know it doesn't matter. Did they have pictures? Fuck yeah. from Forge World. Yeah, I just sent it to y'all guys. How dare they not release pictures of this? 
It wasn't what they wanted. It was the their their version of a Cordis dread, and oh, okay. it looks all right. And it was like uh, apparently they everybody got word. It's like, hey, what the what dread is that? And like, oh, that's our Cordis. And it's like, when's that coming out? It's like, it's not. It was like a a project that we decided to scrap because like pre production model. Yeah. I like it. I like all the little rivets, kind of like how we did on the one that you had designed. I guess I'll trust them. They do make miniatures for a living. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so, uh, it looks good. It's like somebody beat them to the market. <laughs> oh. <laughs> with, <laughs> with all the rivets. <laughs> Shit. So, yeah, I, I guess the only thing I would say against it is it just doesn't look all that different from regular contemporary. Aside from the rivets, right? Yeah, I ain't hating on it. I thought it, I thought it looked pretty good. Oh, no, not bad. I liked it. I like it. Yeah, I like the uh, oh the, well the grill guard. Yeah, and yeah, the little like gorget lower, thing on it. Well, like very lower gorget on it. Very evidently, uh, evidently three D printed on the top. That was one of the biggest things that I saw on it. So, well, it's pre production model, so yeah. So anyway. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> so, so maybe they caught wind that there was a possible third third party production land speeder on the way, <laughs> and immediately pushed some production and pushed some buttons. <laughs> God damn! I don't know. Not that it needed to happen, guys. We needed legs for those horrible, horrible contemptor dreadnoughts that you were sitting out with the Kalth kit. They needed damn legs. They weren't. Let's not drag Forgeworld into this. That's a fucking GW <laughs> mainstream item, sir. <laughs> God damn it. Games Workshop fucked it up so much that somebody... <laughs> anyway, go ahead. What's the next thing? Next one up on the list is powerful Primark of the 7th Legion. Big D. Big Rogel D. <laughs> so, powerful Rogel Dorn. Here, here in the flesh, boys, he's... Out and about, you know, we talked about it in the last Imperial Fist episode because it was just so indir- so serendipitous that it, that it came out about the same time. So Rogaldorn got got shown, got got released. So we got to see powerful Rogaldorn. I have a question. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of a lot of pictures of this model in various states of Photoshop. What is the actual head that comes with it? Is it the one with the mustache? The, the, like, no, sweet? no, there's okay, no, no mustache. That's the one I photoshopped. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, just just want to make sure which one is the canon Rogaldorn. That's so funny how like like I Photoshop things, kind of forget that I Photoshop things, and it comes back, and like later on people are talking about, yeah, the Inferno. They even had little Chinese ladies. I was like, oh wait, no, they didn't. That was <laughs> that was my Photoshop. That wasn't real at all. So yeah, no, he does not have a mustache. I actually took that mustache from the. Uh, uh, from the Emperor's uh, voice recorder or whatever uh, YouTube channel or whatever, their okay. fake little Rogaldorn on there. I Who imagine some guy over sitting over in the fucking Forge World office that does like their PR shit, and every time something like that happens, he like does the instead of the 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 Doom Richards, he's Montelongo. Every time <laughs> the, you get that fucking weird Photoshop going around that sticks. <laughs> okay, so is this the cannon head, the one on the left? That is this head that's there, the okay. Bill Clinton head. This is the one I photoshopped. <laughs> that okay, is... that that looks 
That looks like that could be real, though. I just want to say. <laughs> that does look like. You're too a... good at Photoshop for your own damn good. I matched the white to the hair. That's why. Like, <laughs> I even put some tinges of blue in there for the hair. That's, that's, that's hey, real quick. Detail. Can we talk about the absolute 100% best uh, Facebook message that we've ever received due to this model? <laughs> sure. What uh, Facebook uh, message did we get? I must uh, have missed uh, it. No, you didn't. So we won't read out. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't care who. Let me find it here. <laughs> right here. So James, New Zealand James, he sent us a message. I want to read it exactly how he wrote it. And keep in mind, there's no punctuation <laughs> oh, here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> it says, it. says, Dorn meme with dead cats on base, please cunts. And cunts is capitalized. Like it's a proper down. Then underneath it, he sent a picture of the Dorn model with some super fucking stick figure cats that just look like people with whiskers on them with their legs up in the air like they're dead on the base. So let me let me reread that again. Dorn meme with dead cats on base, please cunts. Cunts capitalized <laughs> with the fucking picture. I laughed so hard. <laughs> Congratulations, sir. This is probably my favorite message I've ever received on this podcast. He followed that up, by the way, before we could answer him with, my Photoshop skills are lacking. And then Michael, within 10 minutes, hooked him up with a meme with cats on the base. Dick. Cats. Live cats. <laughs> Live cats, because I couldn't. Live cats. I have a cat myself. She's very sweet. So I could not Google Google pictures, of, pictures dead of dead cats. With her in the room. Yeah. <laughs> she, she looks in my search history, so. Uh any, if something happened to her, googling dead cats would just <laughs> people would great. assume the worst. So, uh, so yeah, Rogel Dorn came out, looks great. We've talked about him already. His base is fucking huge yep. for some reason, but uh, that's the only drawback I see to him. He, I'm sure he comes out with the pop out base like they all do, so don't worry about that. And uh, it's just glorious. Do I think Ryan had talked about he was in a non action pose? I think Ryan was going to say that he's going to turn him into action Jackson. If- if I ever bought him, if I ever bought him, I would convert him. It'd be an easy conversion. <laughs> Turn him into Action Jackson. So yeah, very cool. Very. I'm sure if you're interested in Rogel Dorn, you are fairly aware that he's out. If not, you better get your get your shit together, please. Uh, oh yeah, they also had him in he's yellow. What y'all think about man. yellow Dorn? I like both. Yeah, either. Yeah. I like them both too. Well, alternate they, alternate costume Dorn. What? Yeah, he was in his yellow armor at Throwback Jersey Dorn. Oh yeah. fuck. I completely missed that. Yeah, it looked good. It looked good. Uh next up on the list was the shit show that is Valdor. Oh man. Oh, Valdor. That's, a, that's a busy Oh one. god. This is gonna be negative. Why are you bringing this up? This is just gonna be <laughs> negative for all Okay. Of us. <laughs> Okay, it looks remind, like the final boss me, in a fucking anime. <laughs> pr- okay, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. War- this is the worst model currently on Forge World's website. Ooh. What's well, worse? I mean, he, he looks like a only I'm, because I'm they talking... pulled the Praetor. <laughs> only because they pulled the Praetor, the Space Wolf Praetor. <laughs> oh, does this, that count? I think that model's better than this one. I'd rather have that model than this one. So uh... hey, do they still have that Morgul Knight thing that? That like undead creature monster that was part of like the Tamura fucking 
codex. You know what I'm talking about. The oh, half yeah, torso thing, walking on its yeah. hands. That oh, that's pretty bad. It's better than this. Oh, maybe. I mean, I'm looking at a blurry picture of it. It the main thing I'm seeing, it just looks over designed. Like it's got just too much going on with it. Personally, that is a problem. Yes. The way I, I described it on Outer Circle was as if you took everything, like if you took all your forty extra forty k sprues and all the extra like bits and bobs and accessories that's left on the sprue, like the fucking scrolls, the banner tops that like the because you always get like extra like five fucking banner tops to go on the one banner, the extra yeah. like the epaulets and shit that you can glue on your guardsmen guys, the purity seals. If you took all of that shit and just put it in a plastic bag and then rolled like a, a fucking custodes model and glue and dropped him in that bag and like shook him up, like shake and bake chicken and then dumped him out. You would get this model. What's so weird about it, dude. And that, that's exactly right. That's exactly what would happen. This is like a fucking, it's like a demon hunter on crack. Like, I just don't understand wh- where did this art come from? Like, where did, like, what did they reference? Like, there's nothing, like, all I'll the art out there about him, he's, like, pretty much subdued. Like, he doesn't have any, he looks like a normal custode with a pimp-ass mohawk or in the original art. And in the latest art, he's yeah. got the Giancarlo hair. And then it's like, he's just a chill fucking dude. Like, he's just like, you know what? Yeah, I kill, he's I got kill the people weird, when I protect the He's got the, the weird special Iron Halo thing that no other custode has. And then he's got the Chuck Liddell haircut. And that's it. You have you have two schools of thought here. The reason why I think I like Dorn, I like Dorn's smile personally, is because he's understated. Like, there's not a lot of extra shit going on with that. It doesn't have to be. He just is what he is, and he looks good. And then there's... <laughs> he got out. <laughs> this guy. You know, he just has insanity going on. There's just stuff everywhere. I don't I don't know, man. Well, James had me laughing because he said, imagine, so look at the model. Imagine taking his head off and putting a Stormcast Eternal head on it and then cut off the bolter blade thing on the spear and just put an axe head on it. And is that not just a fucking Stormcast Eternal model? Yeah, 100%. I mean, even the pose with the legs like kicking up, like a like doing a sideways jump. Like it's like that's that's all the Stormcast head, all the Stormcast legs. Like I mean, it's just it's so weird. Like it's so out of character. Like it's like, it, like I tell my like as soon as I woke up, I uh, woke up in the morning to wake up to Weekender. It was like, is that a fucking anime character? Like, <laughs> is he gonna have like a giant Buster sword that he's gonna kill shit with? It's like, the third form of the final boss. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Like, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, why why does he need all this? Surely all that shit's unwieldy. Sure, that's that's why the Emperor's dead, Valdor, because he fucking initiative had too much seven, shit to put on bro. in the morning. He's initiative seven, and if he's, what is he, he's a higher weapon skill or whatever, he gets plus one, so he's initiative eight. So he's, like, jumping around all stealthy and shit like Conrad Kurz with a mountain full of, like, jangly bullshit hanging <laughs> off of his back. He'd be initiative no nine sense. if he just took off half that shit. <laughs> I have come to battle with my exotic furs, man. Like, Hold on, oh man, do you have any on on exotic you? furs in your fucking great great grandmother's collection of fucking bangles, yeah. fucking jewelry? He just walks yeah. up like this. <laughs> 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 
Valdor's here. <laughs> like, remember he was sneaking around and fucking uh, in Nemesis. <laughs> like, that's all you'd hear. Like, that's that's Valdor. How did you know I was well, you here? Mean, you mean when you were in high school and you picked a street fight and you were like, "Meet me behind the bike rack after school." You didn't show up with like five grandfather clocks strapped to your back. Like, <laughs> let's go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Got a fucking cuckoo clock and a fucking polar bear skin and a fucking dragon skull and some <laughs> bike chains and you Remember know whatever. Remember ne- pose for a <laughs> weapon? Fucking yeah. ready. <laughs> Remember a nemesis arm. when fucking when uh when Rogel Dorn was like, I know it's you, Malkador, and I know it's you, Constantine Valdor. Valdor's like, How did you know? I see all your shit. Like I could, how could I not? Yeah. I saw your dead dragon from a mile away. Constantine, I don't know how to break this to you, but you're not very subtle. <laughs> like you know, the way oh, he's like in every other picture you see Valdor, he's this cool fucking suave dude. It, it and looks... like now he's a fucking hoarder. Like he's just like imagine so imagine him trying to stand around stoically, but if he just has any bit of like micro movement, all the fucking jangling that goes on. <laughs> and now that I think of him as a character, he's like that and everybody else hates him and hates being around him because they just want to sit in silence. Like I imagine the Emperor like at his desk, like doing Emperor shit. And Valdor, like, standing there, like, on guard, and he just shifts a little bit. It's like, clink, 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 clink. And the Emperor's like, Ugh. He's like, don't you have some blood games to do, bro? Like, go fucking walk the battlements or something. Get the fuck out of here. He's like, sorry, my lord. Shushing, 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 shushing. Walking away for, like, ten minutes. I still fucking hear that motherfucker. Like, Turn the corner. To go, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, my lord. <laughs> Fucking bells and oh, whistles on that dude. <laughs> Looks like he beat up Fulgrim and added Fulgrim's armor to his armor. Yeah, it's 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 not good, man. There's just too much shit going on. The pose is not good. There's too much shit going on. I'm glad I don't. You're pick right. A he's like. Is. It's like a reptile, and every time he grows, he outgrows his skin. He just sheds his skin and grows a new one. But instead of he sheds his skin and just grows a new skin over the skin, so he just got like several layers of fucking shit or I something. Mean, I don't know what's going on. It's, isn't he supposed to have like thirteen thousand names, each of which is inscribed on his armor or some shit like that? On the yeah, inside, but that, he doesn't need all the inside. that. Okay, it's like microscopic names, but I don't know. There, there's it's no on the re- inside. Like, on the on his right shoulder pad, like what is that a bird? Like why do you need it, something it looks, that big? He got like six wings on his right shoulder pad, and then on the other one, there's like a head. I don't know. He's uh, got I, Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII glued on his right <laughs> shoulder pad. <laughs> he's got he's got a Final Fantasy boss on one shoulder pad, and he's got a monster from Berserk <laughs> on the other. <laughs> Valdor's so bad right. he went into your other. He's such a badass dude, he went into your favorite video games and killed their characters <laughs> and brought them into Warhammer to remind just, you that you're a Warhammer player now. He's an anime villain serial killer that collects trophies and wears them. Oh, not good. All right, let's The fucking on. sword's badass, though. I love his... So what, we got, like, what, 15, 20 more minutes on roasting Baldur? Or... <laughs> it's not... I w- his, his halberd thing's fucking legit, though. That thing's yes. badass. His weapon's boss as fuck. It's a badass weapon. Looks like some cyborg shit. Got to end on a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> so, new dreadnought drop pod. New dreadnought drop pod. You're was welcome, everybody. And showed <laughs> why he's why are you saying you're welcome. Because like l- less than three days ago is when I put the finishing like rivets and all that shit on mine. My uh, dreadnought drop pods. Yep. They're not plastic like I predicted, but I mean either way, 
It is what it is. So this looks like a much better design. Me and Scott can tell you we've done several of these. Oh this my god, yes, dude. I'm I'm literally gonna smash mine once I get this new one in. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. It's some epic way, but I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, don't spike it, Gronkowski. Stop. Why don't you just mail it to somebody? Mail it to some mm. heresy noob. Yeah, I could do that. Load it up in a softball <laughs> pitching machine and fucking <laughs> do it right <laughs> against a brick wall. Two words. <laughs> Potato cannon. We could have a contest and the winner gets to choose whether you spike it Gronkowski style or you like mail it to them as a gift. <laughs> we'll work something up. But yeah, man, new Dreadnought Drop Pod is absolutely... Uh, you can see the like every place, like everybody. I mean, what's funny is these pictures that got released of it. Immediately, everybody took these pictures, and then you saw they circled the points where like this is better. It really matters. This is more structurally sound because everybody knows about the pins that were the problem, and so they're like, okay, it's reinforced here. It's a solid piece on the bottom. Uh, it has a magnetized uh, area on it. Like, it, there's just all these different things that got updated on this dreadnought drop pod. There's no, there's no release date or anything like that yet. Uh, but it is definitely, definitely something that looks like it's going to be a much more well thought out model. I mean, I'm sure the first one, they didn't realize they were going to have the problems that they had with it, or maybe the, the mold just got so bad after a while, those little pins just are, are getting smaller and smaller. I don't know, but either way, that's definitely, uh, they've definitely updated, updated the model and I'm looking forward to seeing it, dude. Yep. I'm super excited for that. I hope they make a lot cause I see this like selling out. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't it supposed to be bigger where you can actually fit like a Contemptor pattern dreadnought inside of it? Yes, it does. A Contemptor does fit inside of there. Leviathan's shoulders are too big. Damn. So. It's going to be sweet, dude. They're going to give us a FAQ on the rules or something with it? or We don't know yet. We don't know. Uh, that, that'd, that'd be, that would be the best. Yeah, I'm sure they're on their way. Uh, next thing that showed up were the Lenaran Terminators, which were like, wow, man, it's been a while. Um, so the Alpha Legion Special Terminators, they got released. They're cataphracty armor, beautiful Terminators. They have the, uh, pretty much the, 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 the shoulder pads you would expect them to have. They had the, like the scale shoulder pads and everything like that. Um, <laughs> Scott's back. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Sorry. Snuffleupagus. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely love their heads, man. On those Lenaran Terminators. How do you say that? Yeah, they, they look like the Alpharius in um, Exodus head. Yeah. I've always said Lernian. Lernian. But I'm also bad and wrong. Lunabundus Terminators. Uh, they're on their way, guys. If you're Alpha Legion players, I'm sure you've never played them before anyway. So, you know, what can I say? Does anybody... T- have you put Lanur and Terminators in any list, Ryan, ever? They're not bad. They're okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just... No, seriously. It's like, it's one of those things that's like if you... If you're going to take normal Terminators and upgrade to Volkite Chargers, then, like you then do, these I are guess. better. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, it's just that it's one of those upgrades that you you just don't see a lot of people do so it's like these guys pre-buy the upgrade that nobody really cares about and then the other thing that's weird is their special weapon that they get is a fucking conversion beamer the unique weapon that they get and it's totally like it's like the total like 
paradoxical weapon you would give to a fucking Terminator unit. Like, why would you want your Terminators 48 inches across the fucking board with their power fist and or power axes and Volkite chargers to shoot the one conversion beamer at its best power? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. They're like, you boys ready to go to battle? Everybody shows up. What is that? I brought my conversion beamer, bro. It's a badass laser, dude. Um, uh, well, we were going to get in people's faces. Oh, well, I need to hang well, I, back. I got the axe, too. <laughs> I got to hang it back if we can. Well, we don't want to. <laughs> way to way to fuck us all up. So, like I said, they're not bad. It's one of those things, like, if you get to the end of the list and you, ha- you already had standard cataphracty in your army and you had, like, 40, 50 points you didn't know what to do with, upgrade them to the Lanarans. They're not like a bad unit. It's just I just feel like they don't really offer anything standard cataphracty don't really do. It's just they kind of come with extra upgrades that you that I feel aren't really necessary. I definitely will say, though, uh, cataphracty Terminator-wise, I would definitely, if I played Alpha Legion and I was taking any cataphracty Terminator, I would absolutely have these over any other cataphracty Terminators. Oh, yeah. There's no fucking the, way. Just the only... Them. The only other thing that the other thing they have going against them is a lot of people run coils of the Hydra, and when you run coils of the Hydra, they typically steal like fucking Justerian or Fire Drakes or fucking Death Shroud or Grave oh. Wardens or Cease Tyrants or something like that. So you don't see a lot of Lanarans because you're you usually only have how you know room for so many Terminators in an army list, and because we do almost, I'd say. I'd say more than half of Alpha Legion list I've seen are fucking coils. So it just seems like when you see Terminators, it's usually a you know a stolen Terminator unit anyway. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see some some of the kit bashes between this new Lanern model and like any of the other Terminators, like any of the uh, the Tyrants or it's gonna be sweet. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Ooh, I'm looking forward to seeing idea. that kit bash happens. Uh, All right. Next up, Alpharius. Oh, real dude. quick. Oh. Quick. So oh, the Volkite okay. Charger hand, they did the stupid thing they did with the Space Wolves where he's just like, there's yeah, no grip. But they're supposedly <laughs> fixing it before it comes out to market. So no drama. No drama, boys. <laughs> sucks. Uh, anyway, yeah, Alpharius. Uh, and then book eight. Malevolence. We they also uh, put out uh, Scoria. Oh, Scoria! I forgot about Scoria. I'm just playing. Yeah, I know we're skipping over Alpharius and some dude out there. <laughs> some, some dude out there is having a fucking brain hemorrhage right now. What? Wait, what are you? It's a fucking Primark. Yeah. So Alpharius model got shown out at the weekender. They, yeah, they showed his like profile. It looks his, like Facebook profile pic. As dope with his helmet on and everything. Like I love that they left his helmet on. He looks. He's looking like he's coming in. Yeah, just like a quick Michael, quit shot. it. Can't. Yeah, he looks like he's coming in hot. Looks good. Oh, Who do you think, Scott? Covered in, covered in Alfarius, yeah, I like him a lot, man. I mean, from it's only a really small little thumbnail picture, but I think he looks pretty cool. And I kind of, you know, the the spear, like that weapon's like his thing, and I think it's neat they have kind of an action pose stuff. I look forward to seeing the rest of it. Do you think they're going to make them littler than the rest of the Primarchs? Like, yeah, they made I a big deal. So. I think slightly, you know. Like a Lorgar size, a little bit smaller than Lorgar? Yeah. yeah somewhere. Oh, that's going to be so cool, dude. What if they had two? 
Like, what if there was like an Alpharius and there was an Omega model? There's this model and then one with his face cut off. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking forward to that Alpharius model. I, I, the Alpha Legion players, all 10 million of you deserve it. So. Yeah, all fucking three quarters of the heresy community. Goddamn. <laughs> you, you deserved it. So next was Scoria, man. Scoria came out. They dropped the model for Scoria. It's a big, bad-looking model. Holy dude. fucking shit. Like, he's probably he's one of the best mechanical models, models I've ever seen. Yeah, his model. I'm glad that they gave the fucking most, one of the more eye-rolly fucking guys in the game that everybody pretty much hates fighting and gets bent out of shape about, like, the coolest fucking model to encourage its use more. Pretty pumped about that. <laughs> Hey, dude, they, at least they gave, like, the model to play Scoria. That thing looks like an ass and a half to put together. That's a week of assembly <laughs> right there. Like, there's so many fiddly bits on him. That thing looks like a fucking, uh, uh <laughs> what's that game that Aaron always used to push on us? Uh, Infinity. Infinity. It looks like an Infinity <laughs> level of spindly bits on that thing. Shout out to TFL Aaron. <laughs> Shout out to TFL Aaron. Yeah, man, that thing is all over the place with those little spindly bits. It's like if you were to take those little like silax and pump it up to 12 with all the little arms and shit. So, well, like his little like front snippy claws kind of remind me of the back legs on the defiler. Yeah. Sure. Oh, it's a it's a badass model, man, no doubt. It's it really is. cool. It looks fucking awesome. Now, please fix the fucking rules. I asked you guys this. How did anyone ever walk into a room with that guy and be like, oh, he's loyalist, man. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like, well, he, he was locked. He was locked Look in a fucking him, prison. Man. He was locked in a prison for tech heresy on fucking. Uh, okay. What? Yeah. So I, he definitely looks like uh, obviously bad guy material. I don't, I don't know why anybody would assume otherwise that he is some sort of like possibly loyalist. Like he's definitely into some dark shit. If he looks me in the eye and tells me he's he's a loyalist, I'm not gonna like. I don't want to say anything to him to be honest. Well, I I mean honestly though, if you look at it, if you look at like somebody like Belisarius Call, those Magos just kind of like uh, they kind of dump what is like normal visions of beauty and stuff like that. Like you look at Belisarius and like that dude looks like some fucking weirdo shit. Like some. Oh no! I've I've read Master of Mankind. I know how it goes. And they're just like fuck it, give me another arm, <laughs> give me give me another one of them arms, boy. I I hate having to put my drink down to do stuff. Give me another arm, just hold my drink. <laughs> exactly. Can you just stick a cup at the end of that arm. Cool. That's exactly what happened to Scoria, and then for some reason they gave him some crab claws, so we could. Maybe he just decided he needed crab claws. Crab claw bigger things. So, what else? What else came out? Besides powerful, powerful Scoria. Uh, that's all I saw. I know I was like working that morning, so I didn't get a chance to like sit down and like crunch through everything going on. I know they released a lot of cool like Necromunda stuff, but I don't think we're gonna go over all the Necromunda stuff. Nope. It's a Horse Heresy podcast. Thirty K. Ryan, Scott, y'all see anything else? Anything else you want to bring up that you saw? That's all I got. <clears throat> I don't. I don't have any. Anything else I really noticed. It was all good stuff. I think it was really cool. I wish I could have been there. But uh 
I'm excited for everything that comes out. As soon as that Dreadnought Drop Pod shows up on the fucking webpage, let us know, because I'm ordering that bitch. Stat. <laughs> I'm sure that you will not be the the only one ordering that Dreadnought Drop Pod. It's going to move pretty quickly. Out of everything, I probably will. Like, out of this list of stuff, I see myself owning three termites and, yep. f- like, at least 11 of those land speeders. Uh <laughs> And probably a few of those dreadnought drop pods. So yeah. this is like I, a, I'm gonna have to do at least at least one termite. <laughs> they like Forge World definitely is gonna have a good year this year because they're releasing like generic stuff that you need to use for like all armies. Like it's not like Legion specific shit. So yeah, they're 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 gonna have a good year this year. Somebody's gonna have some good paychecks this year. <laughs> so uh, speaking of this year and their releases, they talked about Book 8 Malevolence, so they pushed Angelus, which had the Dark Angels in it, and they moved uh, in, they, they kind of shoehorned in the middle this book Malevolence, which is Blood Angels and White Scars, right? Yep, Blood Angels and yep. White Scars. And uh, demons. Background history for Blood Angels, White Scars, Demons, with additional detail on Alpha Legion and Space Wolves. So, yes. So, sorry, Dark Angels players. I know that I have seen on your Dark Angels 30K Facebook page. Uh, y'all were pretty fucking salty about this, and I understand that. Um, I, I understand why you were pumped for this year for getting your rules and you're getting everything like that, but unfortunately, it was announced that they are pushing you. You'll just until... have to console yourself with those fucking five point acid rounds. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Or the best ride of war in the game. I don't, I mean, man, I'm so sad for you. My heart bleeds. <laughs> I think they're going to be all right, Ryan. I think I think they're going to be okay. Oh, you, oh you mean you mean five-point rag grenades on, on every fucking unit and jet bike core troops and fucking random AP fucking acid rounds on jet bikes? You think that's okay? Yeah, I think they'll live. I think that they will make okay. it. I think they'll be fine, too. So that did get announced, guys. Um, listening in on the seminar, uh, thank you, powerful Dan Porter. Uh, they did give some good reasons why that they did put they did break the book in half. It does make it a little bit easier when they're not crunching times to get things done. Uh, they can look over everything and make sure everything is done for the release and for the drop of this book. They can condense it into. Uh, a lot more rules and details instead of trying to get shoehorn all these different legions in there. Uh, it just makes it makes it for a cleaner release of book eight. So um, it's, I mean, honestly, guys, you know, we always talk about this kind of stuff. Oh, if they would have just had more time or, you know, if they hadn't rushed it, they would have been fine. Like, honestly, dude, like this is, if you were to tell me, hey, do I want them to release a half-ass book eight Angelus with like all the legions over it? Or if they, like, this is them saying, hey, we need to break this up because we need more time and we need, like, you know, help on this. It's like, you know what? This is the grown-up decision. This is the better way to do it. As a customer, I appreciate y'all doing this. So don't be salty. You're just going to get more love when Book 9 comes out. Uh, We just got a message from Scott, guys. His internet finally crapped out. So, yeah, he's gone. He says bye. (laughs) Bye, Scott. So, Dark Angels players, I'm sure you're going to get extra, extra love in the uh, in Two the scoops. last book uh, of book nine there. 
the the last book to complete all, all the legions for the ironic first legion <laughs> so <laughs> that humor doesn't escape me <laughs> that's pretty that's I mean, pretty there i can see them being like okay dark angels got a lot we can go over let's do it right but yeah, let's, let's do it big let's do it big yeah in the in the seminar they were talking about like early crusade stuff so like ancient technology and stuff like that like some wild ass guns and stuff so super dreadwing shit oh man y'all are gonna have y'all are gonna have a good time it'll be a whole like toys all rest for their armory toys are us for the dark angels it's gonna be nuts so hopefully we'll find out so that's it for weekender talk i mean really on there guys there's not a lot else we can talk about that we can go over I do want to give a powerful shout out to powerful Dan over at the Phosphex Party podcast for getting us all the information we did need uh, from them. Go check them out, guys. They just dropped their first episode. It's Phosphex Party. Uh, they have an awesome podcast. I can't wait for them to get some more out. It looks like it's going to be a monthly thing right now. Um, super, super excited for these guys. Thank you so much, Dan, for... Uh, for for being our eyes and ears at the weekender dude like i felt like i was there i felt like i was there so um next up for announcements blood and skulls industries dropped their epsilon pattern sponsons for the land raider and another set of sponsons for uh the bane blade chassis so if you are looking for sponsons for your land raider that you want to get it you know want to you probably have a just normalized land raider that you want to convert over to the heresy but you don't want to upgrade with the mk2b kits he did release these epsilon pattern sponsons that give it the spartan-esque kind of look to it yeah they kind of look like spartan or demios predator those kind of style sponsons yeah, it's got a curved Karen. front blocker kind of thing to it. So uh, check that out, guys. Uh, we do a lot of stuff with Blood and Skulls Industries. And, you know, Ryan actually uh, has a number of kits for his Land Raider stuff. Uh, but saw that he released that today. Wanted to give him a shout-out because he's such a great guy and everything like that. And uh, those kits came out. The other Baneblade kit is more of a like techno-looking kit for the Sponsons look, but... Uh, very evident that the Epsilon pattern is to bring the Land Raiders more in line with a Spartan look. So um, go check that out. I'm, I'm always happy to to give uh, give shout-outs for heresy-looking kits like that. Yeah, I still need to go pick uh, up some Jeff of their, from, uh, tracks. Jeff from Dragonforge, I think, released some new bases too. If you go over to his Facebook, Dragonforge on Facebook, he's got some new bases that he released for different kits. Fuck yeah, powerful Jeff over at Dragon Forge. I always like seeing his updates, like because he updates the Patreon chat with like, "Hey, this is what I'm working on." You're like, "Dude, that looks incredible!" Because you see it right before it goes into like mold form, so you see like yeah. all the work he's put into it, and you're just like, each little brick was laid, and he put like a little drainage ditch in there because he re- he had, he was working on those uh those like Mayan bases that like kind of Aztec looking Maya bases so it was like all cobblestone. Yeah, they're called Aztec. They're called As T E K like tech like technology Aztec. Yeah, so he's working on these Aztec bases and like it's all pre stuff before it's molded up and before it's just blank resin, but you can see all the different colors and each different like little uh 
little piece that was separate from uh from the rest of the kit and you're just like holy man this thing looks fucking sweet like he's if you know i will say that like you know absolutely go check out jeff because he ops, he makes in, incredible bases his bases are you know some of the best you can buy out there they're beautiful bases fantastic looking bases uh but having him in the patreon chat and seeing the work that he puts into making those bases is just a fucking pleasure man like he's like so cool such a cool guy so another yep. dude we work with right there powerful powerful jeff over at dragon forge yeah put out some uh, ancient ruins bases they look pretty dope yeah dude all that work going on in there oh is that on his where's that at? is that on his this facebook is page? dragon forge De- uh, dragon forge design facebook page yeah, so on the design, yeah. like on so that Dragonforge design Facebook page, he also has work in progresses too, so you can see what he's working on. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Those kind of pictures like that. Oh yeah. Each individual little rock laid. It's got like the different like tiles in it, and it's got like a whole bunch of fucking skulls on this side. It's badass. Yeah. So. Was that eighty mil? One sixty oh, mil. Oh, uh, we. I also want to update uh, uh, Ishmael, the Luna. He took me up on uh, Heresy Camp, so he's going to be joining us at Heresy Camp. It was the right answer the whole time. <laughs> like, there's Hell yeah. no reason why and, you shouldn't want to go to Heresy Camp. And also, we talked about his list, and he only went with Proteus's. This ties back into what you were saying. He only went with Proteus's because he liked the look of them better because the tracks went all the way around. But then he saw my Blood and Skulls tracks, and he's going to go with Phobos's in the list that I wrote him with the tracks go all the way around. <laughs> yeah yeah and so he's got it, he, it, he's got it figured out and he's also called me out the list that i wrote him was illegal uh, oh every everything worked in it except i took the delegatus and i forgot the little it's something that almost never ever ever comes up if you take a delegatus as you as your hq he's got to be your warlord and if you do you can't take a lord of war and i included a cerberus in the list because i wanted to keep it that so what Cerberus. all I did so all I did was swap the delegatus um for what did I do? I swapped the delegatus for a a herald, the guy with the banner. Okay. Because he has mastered the legion, and then swapped it from uh chosen duty to um Pride of the Legion. It's pretty much the same list. Didn't really change anything. That's cool. Yeah. Powerful Ryan. That fucking Cerberus. I knew there was a problem. I felt it. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> I felt a disturbance in the force. But anyway, if anybody who's listened to that list last week, if you're listening this week, that's uh the I updated the list in my phone so when Michael pulls them to put them on the thing, the the proper list will be the legal list will be put up and uh Ishmael knows. So he he found the problem, which is good. So we discussed it and uh we talked through and fixed the list, so Speaking of list, and I know we're kind of bouncing around a little bit right now before we jump into all this Zone Mortalis stuff, um, but going back onto list, so I'd initially put all these lists up on Scribed, which has all the PDF versions of the list, but they all kind of got moved over by one, which changed the naming up on them, and we fixed a bunch of them, but there were still some out there that have issues. Uh, however, right now, if you go to our Facebook page, which is you know Radio Free Istvan. Go check out our Facebook page. Go to our description of what our Facebook page is about. You'll see a Dropbox in there, and inside that Dropbox is every list that Ryan has written out, like probably about 80% of them. Uh, there's some new ones that aren't on there. 
and I took all those PDFs and I put them onto a Dropbox. So uh, you can just go click on that link and get yourself some ideas of different lists that you'd like to use or things like that. And just it'll point you in the right direction. They're all labeled. They all tell you how many points they are, and you know they're all in PDF format. So uh, if you want to go do some list looking or just do some list browsing, you can do that. Just our Facebook page under the description of what our Facebook page is about, and you will see the drop the link to the Dropbox for the list library. So go give that a check out since we're talking about it. All the lists are on there. It's over 200 lists. Anyway, you boys ready to jump into some Zomortalis? Yeah, it's like recording a whole, whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. So let's. I'm sure my down. wife is somewhere and she's thrilled. <laughs> so let's talk about some Zomortalis, boys. First things first, Zomortalis, guys, if you're looking for the rules, you don't have access to a book three right now, you can go you just type in Zomortalis rules into Google first things first and the very first link is going to lead you to a Forge World download and it'll have the Imperial Armor Zomortalis rules for you just out the gate So, uh, those aren't the official heresy rules they are slightly different there are some yes. fairly key differences so this is just to get you started guys if you want the free rules if not the official rules for the heresy version of Zomortalis is going to be in book 3 extermination uh, I can get a page number here for you for a second but I mean just out the gate guys it's actually in two different books it's in book 3 and I think it's also in book 1 okay so the actual rules rules themselves so a heresy variant of the rules are in book one betrayal, right, Ryan? Yes, and they start on page 168. So they start on page 168, and those are slightly tweaked different than the free rules they offer online. So, yes, they were, they, in my opinion, they were modified to be slightly better. It's almost like the FAQ'd version, I guess, because the original ones came out a long time ago, whenever. So the, the original, original Zone Mortalis rules that Forge World put out was actually when they had the Enfilion base. Yes. The Amphilion base had like the proto Zone Mortalis rules. Um, then they released the Zone Mortalis tiles and actually released these zone rules that you're talking about, the free download ones. Yes. And then later later on, um, they did um, the Bedab Wars. And the, that they kind of tied into that with the Zone Mortalis rules and tiles. That's what they were originally for. And then right soon after, they released the Heresy and they printed book one betrayal. And so book one betrayal has the most up-to-date FAQ uh, modern version of zone mortalis in it. Okay. So cool. it's the crim de la crim. Now, if you can't afford, if you just want to get a taste of zone mortalis and you can't afford betrayal, just download the rules for free and try it out. It's going to be 90% the same. Like you're going to get the idea and everything. But if you have the money and you want to be a hundred percent official about it, and you you know you're playing heresy and you want book one anyway or maybe you already own it and you just haven't tried it out yet, go ahead and use the the version in book one betrayal on page one sixty eight. Cool. So because it's harder to get a hold of betrayal, a lot of the things I'm gonna be covering I'm gonna be reading out of the free version of the rules. However, if we catch something that's in betrayal, 
we will make note of it and let you guys know that it does play differently in Betrayal than it does in these free versions of the rules. Okay. I'll also point out when uh, in book three, uh, the Horus Heresy book three, they, Extermination, they released a expansion called Blood in the Void expansion, and I believe it's on page 184, and it, it adds even more Zone Mortalis rules, different stratagems, different missions, um, and even more cool shit. So if you're like totally balls deep in Zone Mortalis, like if you're a Tom Gould from Australia who just fucking is the master of Zone Mortalis, loves everything Zone Mortalis, um, uh, you want betrayal and extermination, and you want to use both of those things together. Absolutely. 100%, guys. It's, uh, and just, I mean, just straight up the rules, the additional add ons into the Blood in the Void expansion, 100% worth it. Even like just, if you're not even looking at getting book three for all the cool fluff and everything that's in there, like all the cool black book stuff, uh, definitely pick it up for the Blood and the Skulls uh, expansion. Especially if you ever plan on running any like Zomortalis events or anything like that, because a lot of the expansion stuff is very cool, very hot. So, This is something I also highly recommend doing. Go to wherever your local store is and buy yourself a cheap three-ring binder. I took my black books and just Xeroxed them and just Xeroxed all the zone pages and put them in clear sleeves so I have the entire zone rules right here so I don't have to carry around this and I don't have a bunch of fucking drunk fuckers finger fucking my $115 books living <laughs> cheeto trails all over the pages i can i just xerox copied the books made these little cheap binder ones and i have like three copies of them so when we host events or a bunch of people want to play zone mortalis they all just have their little copy here and i'm not worried about it it's you know just a, a cheap duplicate plus everything like i said it's all in one spot so this is just easier to access carry around than having to flip through those big nice expensive books Makes sense, dude. Makes sense. Solid advice for anybody setting up a game club. So, first things first, uh, Zone Mortalis, the, the main difference is, like, we're basically just going to run down uh, if from page one down, just kind of, we're going to do a brief overview of the differences that you see from normal games. We're going to go ahead and uh, just do you a, do you a rundown. So, um, for starters, I mean, just... The different main, big main difference between what you'll see in your normal games and your Zone Mortalis games is going to be definitely points levels. Uh, yep. I mean, you're absolutely going to see smaller point levels games in Zone Mortalis. That's why when you see a number of these campaigns starting where they're brand new campaigns, it's an Escalation League or things like that, the first stages of the Escalation League are usually Zone Mortalis because... It's a, it's very easy to jump in with like a 500 point game, Zone Mortalis, thousand point game, smaller point, 750 points. Uh, it makes more sense than to, to start people out with these 2500 point games. So learning on Zone Mortalis is in absolute. I mean, definitely something that most people consider whenever they're starting out new armies is getting their first few games in with Zone Mortalis with a few units that they have painted with their new army. So. That's the first thing you're going to notice with Zone Mortalis. If you've never played before, never even heard of it or anything like that, you're, they're going to be generally smaller point games. They don't have to be, but it makes a little bit more sense with how cramped the spaces are and the uh, 
there's an additional rules in there that makes sense for smaller point games, and it's definitely for smaller units and things like that. A smaller unit count wise. I I personally think for heresy, it's best between seven fifty points and twelve fifty points. Um, I've seen it go upwards of fifteen hundred to two thousand, but that's a fucking like that's a lot of points for a zone game. Um, I think below seven fifty, it just to me it's super fucking boring because you end up with an HQ and like a unit and then like some like really small unit and every list seems very cookie cutter and then it just turns into a character duel like whoever usually your characters make a run at each other one character wins and then whatever character is still alive runs around kills everything else it's kind of (laughs) fucking boring absolutely so as well as that you do have different force organization charts than you do in your normal games of age of darkness uh there's an attacker defender combatant force organization chart that you replace your normal force organization chart with. Uh, So each mission you play will have a attacker, defender, and combatant in them. Um, Ryan can probably cover that a little bit more as far as missions and things like that. Well, so so when you go to an event, so if if you're just playing with a friend, almost all these missions will have an attacker and defender. So you'll just decide before the game, like, I want to be the attacker, I want to be the defender, or you'll randomly roll off and then you'll build your list accordingly. Um, If you go to an event, because you don't really know going into the event, you want it to be fair, a lot of event organizers will just tell you to use the combatant chart. So that's kind of what that's for. It's like a combination of the two. So that, and then um, that way, if you build the combatant um, chart, uh, you, you can basically, once you get to the event, either be used as an attacker, defender, or just a neutral party or whatever. Absolutely, and that force organization chart does drop you down to one compulsory troop, one compulsory HQ, and then you have an option for an additional HQ or two elites, two additional troops, two additional fast attack, or one heavy support choice. And That's that, the combatant, yeah. Yeah, that's the combatant, which you're looking at there, whereas, you know, normally you have... You know, additional for option of three heavy support choices, things like that, six troops, everything. It does condense it down quite a bit, but it does relieve you the need to take the compulsory second HQ or second troop choice. Yeah, the most different one is the attacker because the attacker, you don't have to take any troops if you don't want to. Um, it, it, It opens up three elite slots and one of the elite slots is compulsory. So you have to take one compulsory HQ and one compulsory elite to be the attacker which is pretty interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Note on units, guys, when you're selecting your units, uh, your units cannot take dedicated transports. Um, I think, you know, when you think about Zone Mortalis, there are a lot of, a number of different, you know, smaller zones that you play in. Uh, So when you think about this, think shipboarding action. It's not going to limit your tables of shipboarding actions, but the things that you should know is you cannot take dedicated transports. Uh, no unit may have a starting size greater than 15 before being joined by independent characters. Uh, so there's not a whole bunch of units out there that have the option to go to 20, but the ones that do or that start out at 20 when you're like, like for playing like militia or things like that, uh, unfortunately you don't get to take them because they 
they can ha- not have a starting size. Yeah. Note to self: so, uh, Solar auxiliary units. They're uh, the normal squad start at twenty, but they have a special deployment for Zomor Taus where you can split them Break in the two ten man squads, which is pre- yeah, which is pretty good for them. Militia unfortunately does not have anything currently like that at the moment, so you're basically stuck with grenadiers. Which not that they're bad, but it's just that you literally only have one choice in the troop slot that's available to you. Absolutely. Kind of sucks, but... Which also limits you on certain providences because certain providences force you to take levies or whatever, which you can't technically take. Yeah. Something to be aware of, guys. It's just another... One other thing. They just keep trying to keep these units small. Um, Vehicles other than walkers may not be chosen unless their models are no more than four inches wide. So flyers may not be chosen at all so pretty simple on there i mean so that's what the cyclops and walkers yeah pretty much <laughs> oh cyclops. there's other things that are less than four a rhino is less than four inches wide it's land speeders less than four inches wide yeah that's true oh. both those what else rhino chassis is that four inches wide less than four inches yeah so the new termite is <laughs> sure shit is <laughs> three and three quarters it's really long um so i mean not that i'm saying take rhino i mean i wouldn't it's not very like fluffy i mean i guess it is like it just depends on what you do and how you have the battlefield set up and just a standard generic game i wouldn't but if you're wanting to reenact something like there's a a boarding action in uh uh angel exterminatus where the fucking iron hands literally they're they're on the the loading bay of the ship like where the drop ships and stuff are loaded up and they drive out all the fucking rhinos on the dock and make like a wall of rhinos like as a barrier with infantry hiding behind them and have guys up in the panels like shooting everybody unloading into the like that are boarding the ship so they're literally driving around tanks in the loading bay shooting the shit out of some iron warriors and emperor's children fuck yes absolutely badass and guys, when you're looking at making your list and you're thinking about Zone Mortalis and you're thinking about creating things, uh, don't consider like the hallways of ships whenever you're building your list. Like, I mean, of course, consider it, think about it. But Zone Mortalis does have a number of different. Like, this is something that we're going to cover a little bit later when we're talking about different, uh, different terrain and things like that. When you're playing different tables that you could play on, but. You know, just just be real open minded about it. You know, yeah, when you think, oh, you can't fit a Lehman Russ in a hallway, it's like, well, not all Zomortalis is pe- taking place in a hallway. It is going to be some cramped quarters, but you know, people drive the Lehman Russes wherever they want. <laughs> like, yeah, I've seen some. They get around commanders in my day. So, uh, then back into choosing your army, guys. Uh, so when you're looking at warlords, each Zomortalis force should have its warlord just as per a normal game of warhammer except he chooses his warlord traits uh, from the zone mortalis warlord traits so they're going to have special warlord traits ryan do you have what page number that's on um yeah yeah hang on so it's in the blood in the void you don't you can roll on whatever you want but they're on page 185 of extermination um, they have attacker and defender warlord traits. So once again, you don't have to use these if you don't want to, but you can. Uh, but you can. So you can use the standard ones. No, oh, so you just use your standard warlord traits, or or the special zone ones. Either one. 
perfect. So when you're choosing units, guys, in here, some things to keep in mind and uh, to be aware of. Uh, there's no barrage weapons, so barrage weapons cannot be used to fire indirectly within, into, or out of zone mortalis areas at all. So keep that in mind whenever you're picking anything with barrage. They can only fire directly. Um, so there's kind of a, you know, if you're planning on taking your quad mortar or something like that, it, you're going to have not a great time. Uh, well, you can't get... take them. They just fire straight down the hallway. They can't, yeah. like, they have to have line of sight. You can't launch it through through the entire map like you would normally do. So that that's something to, to definitely take into effect. There's, uh, you can never, like, even, I know it says no barrage weapons can fire indirectly. And keep that in mind, even if you're in an open battlefield, for some reason, this will restrict that. Like, it's going to be, no matter what, you cannot fire indirect barrage weapons. So just, yep. just fully be aware of that. You have to always have line of sight to, to fire those weapons directly. Um, also when picking your units and picking your, uh, picking your army, uh, also take aware that in this case, when, when you're normally playing any age of darkness game, your troops are going to be your only scoring models that you'd have access to. Uh, but in zone mortalis assault missions, uh, units drawn from either the troops or elite allowance count as scoring units when it's called by the mission. Uh, so you'll have both your elites that'll be scoring and your troops will also be scoring on that as well. So, um, and then also anything with implacable advance because that's course. their own rule that says that counts. Yeah. Yeah. So, so also keep that in mind when you're, when you're picking your units, guys, um, let's see what else. Also note that this does not overrule. So like Galvorback or elite. So you're like, oh, my Galvorback score. No, they have a special rule that says they never count as scoring regardless of what the fucking mission says, and they would get, like... So they're, like... So you gotta, like, read between the lines, and it's pretty obvious that it trumps it they don't score. But just pointing that out to people. Yeah, guys. Uh, also, when you're picking out units, and you're picking out uh, units that have reserves, scouts, infiltrators, anything like that... Those rules remain unchanged, uh, but entrance and exit points are still the only way that those units can enter Zone Mortalis. Uh, so, only units which are being are described as being able to teleport or materialize from the warp may use the Deep Strike special rules. So, any units that Deep Strike into a bulkhead or wall section section suffer Deep Strike mishaps. So, on that, guys, keep that. Be aware of that. Like, if you have units that normally would be your go-getters when out flanking or would usually be your infiltrators that will infiltrate up in front of the rest of the army. Uh, they actually have to enter the board through, through doorways and they have to come in through, through different methods than no, what they're normally just like, Hey, I'm just going to come into the side of the board here. I'm going to do this. It's yeah. Uh, and, and on the deep strike thing, like if you have assault Marines, which normally can deep strike, they can't deep strike into zone. Because they don't, they're not arriving via teleport or warp materialization or something like that. Yeah, no land speeders, deep striking, nothing like that. It's it's it limits you. You can only materialize in through teleportation. Uh, so, yeah. so, so there's like a number. demon special rule, demon special rule, deep striking, terminators, deep striking, um, things like that will will still work. But like phalax using their jetpacks or anything like that will not work. Absolutely. Uh, another thing, when you're picking your units and things like that, keep in mind that 
all weapons and attacks with a strength four or higher gain the okay let me talk about cold and poisoned air so that's if you choose to use it that's an optional thing that's like do i choose to use this as a battlefield thing or not so it's it's totally optional you don't use this all the time this is this is yeah this is not something you use all the time but this is going to be something that uh you will see quite a bit especially if you're playing in events with zone mortalis full tables that have bulkhead doors that open up and they use like the cool rules to like see what happens and they roll like on catastrophic damage done to the ship and things like that this this happens quite a bit uh, you'll get situations where a bulkhead door will open or something will happen and something will uh, will expose you to the cold voice, void and poison air. Uh, so this is a special rule that can be used when, when fighting in some mortalis filled with poisonous gas, choke industrial fumes, or extreme heat, as well as the effects of fighting in a depressurized area of a space vessel during a boarding action. Uh, when, you, when that applies, like let's say a... a a void door did become open and did expose you to this cold air. All weapons and attacks with a strength of four or higher gain the rending special rule unless their target has hardened armor or void hardened armor, has an armor value, or has a save of a two plus. In the case of attacks against mixed units, apply these rending wounds to the more vulnerable target first. So this does make you know Terminator armor very helpful if you have Solar Auxilla. Uh, there's a number of units that do have this void hardened armor already on them uh, that you probably look over. Breachers have void hardened armor. They have hardened armor. Uh, there's just a number of units out there that you look at hardened armor and go, when would I ever use that? And this is the case. Uh, when you go cold and <laughs> those these strange things happen, those bolters become rending, which becomes pretty serious. Yep. Straight bolter sh shot hits you in the uh, ventilation, and then bam, you got poisoned air absolutely so or, you know just a hole in your armor and you're not getting sucked out of that hole in your armor yeah so uh, um, while you're bringing that up you might talk about the catastrophic damage table so uh, i was actually going to go over uh all weapons and attacks which already have rending now rend on a five or six unless oh, you have okay. the yeah. hardened armor and the void hardened armor and then uh weapons and attacks which have the blast special rule also now cause pinning if they didn't already. So it gets very scary whenever catastrophic damage happens. Uh, but talking about... Well, while you brought that up... Well, hang on. So blast and template weapons in zone, to read about them already, just all the time, regardless of whether you use these optional rules or not. So, like Ryan's saying, blast and template weapons do get better in zone mortalis. Uh, so it's called firestorm fire and shrapnel. So, Firestorm and Shrapnel, the confined spaces of Zomortalis can prove to be a death traps to the unwary and uncertain ty and certain types of weapons have their effectiveness increased by the environment, while others become more unpredictable. Weapons with blast markers and templates gain the Shred special rule inside the confines of Zomortalis, reflecting the lethal effect of explosives, flaming liquids, and shrapnel in confined areas. In the case of a weapon with a blast or template type, that already possesses the Shred Special Rule when used in the confines of a Zomortalis, these weapons have their strength increased by plus one. Additionally, if a Scatter Rule takes a Blast Marker Center Point into a contact with a bulkhead wall, it detonates on contact with the wall, resolve the weapon effect from this spot. The portion of the blast that crosses and lies beyond the line of the wall is lost. So, 
I mean, guys, just considering that, I mean, there's already, you know, very powerful blast weapons out there. But in Zone Mortalis, they really come into their own. I mean, when you're factoring in, something like a Plasma Blast now gets Shred, which allows you to re-roll to wound. And then if, you know, you immediately are exposed to cold air, void air, it's going to have Shred plus Pinning, plus it's going to have Rending on it now. It gets pretty fucking bonkers. There's a lot of things that blasts get dirty. They start doing dirty. And they're only scattering to the point of the wall. And when you're playing something like Zone Mortalis, and let's say you're playing something like a shipboarding action using the actual Zone Mortalis uh, table that Forge World released, then you're starting to look at these, you know, tiny, tiny corridors that if you get a blast marker on you, it's not going anywhere. It's taking out four or five people with it. They're dying. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, it's... It's brutal when 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 we talk about Zone Mortalis and we talk about how good like things like flamers and you know and uh, um, you know plasma blast they really come into their own or um, death guard kim munitions that already have shred so they just go up plus one strength so not only are they so their their normal flamer becomes a strength five shredding flamer yeah ouch. It's pretty brutal, guys. I mean, hands down, when you're picking your units, like these are things to consider. Like it's when you have these like blood in the void or the cold void uh, actions that happen. I mean, it's just stuff dies very quickly in Zone Mortalis. Not only are you playing smaller games, but everything you can tell which corridors they'll be restricted to coming down a lot of the times when you're playing in these like shipboarding action using the actual Forge World uh, tiles. But it gets it gets pretty wild. Um, what else? You might talk about reaction fire. It's important because so, that can determine what, what type of weapons you want to run. Yeah. So check this out, guys. So speaking we're talking about reaction fire. So you're probably used to overwatch when you're shooting overwatch, but this actually, I think this rule was actually made before overwatch, but it stays it was. in the rules. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, this stays in the rules for zone mortalis. Uh, the confined spaces of Zone Mortalis make for deadly close-range firefights, where a split-second reaction may be enough to uh, gun down an enemy rushing out of the darkness before death strikes you down. In order to represent this, this special rule allows units being assaulted a chance to fire their ranged weapons when they are assaulted with superior chance of hitting the foe than normal Overwatch fire would allow if they fire fast enough. Only units not engaged in close combat and not falling back may attempt reaction fire. So only pistols, assault, and rapid fire weapons may be used for reaction fire attacks. So leave Salvo out of this, guys. And leave your heavy out. Heavy weapons may only be used for reaction fire attacks if the model carrying them has a relentless special rule, which not a lot of people do. Terminators do. Uh, Note that other weapons in the squad may still make normal overwatch snapfire attempts if they are eligible alongside the rest of the unit's reaction fire. So blast weapons may not be used to make reaction fire attacks. Template weapons may be in re- in reaction fire attacks if the reaction fire is successful. Rather than placing the template, D3 hits are inflicted upon the charging unit by each template weapon fired by the unit. A unit may only make a single reaction fire against the first unit they are assaulted by in any given turn. A reaction fire attack is made after a charge is declared, but before charging models have moved. Casualties are moving from reaction fire may cause an assault to fail. Sorry. It's boring rules. 
A reaction fire attack is carried out exactly like an Overwatch attack, except the unit in question must first roll to or under its majority initiative score on a D6. If successful, it may fire its weapon at the assaulting enemy with their full ballistic skill. If the test is unsuccessful, the unit may still make its normal Overwatch attack snapshots up ballistic skill 1 instead. A unit may not use the counterattack special rule if it has used reaction fire. So that's really good, guys. So all you do is take an initiative check whenever you're charged to make a reaction fire. If you pass your initiative check, then you're going full ballistic skill at the unit. You're getting a full free shooting attack at that unit. You want to know what makes this ridiculous? What makes it ridiculous, Ryan? Cyber, cyber familiars. They allow you to re-roll a characteristic check. Oh my god. Nice. So when you're building your list, people, make sure you keep them cyber familiars in there. Well, uh, there's character. not very many things that there's not very many things that get them. Iron Hands get them. Uh, um, Custody Shield Captain gets it because, of course, he needs it. Um, I think Black Shields Black Shields get them. Solar Ox guy can get them, and I think certain Mechanicum guys get them, obviously. But as far as Marine Legions, I think only uh, Iron Hands and Black Shields. So. Something to consider, guys, when building out your list. Character checks are a big deal because a full ballistic skill shooting attack against a unit that's charging is definitely going to uh, take out some, it's gonna some, put some models. Hurting. Yeah, especially if it's a specialist unit. Yep. So, But if you fail, you still get your normal Overwatch, but something to consider. Uh, I also think that there's, there's certain weapons and attacks that you can shoot an enemy with and lower. Um, doesn't the stasis grenade from Dark Angels, isn't it? I know it lowers their weapon skill, right? Is it weapon skill and initiative or just initiative? I want to say it's weapon skill and initiative. So, like, definitely think about stuff like that. Like, things that um, there may be... Like, like, I'm just going off the top of my head. I don't have, like, a list in front of me. So, if you ever see anything that is a shooting attack that lowers your opponent's initiative in your playing zone and you know you're going to charge them, you could shoot them with that first to lower their initiative to make it harder for them to pass their reaction fire check before you declare that charge. So just keep in mind little synergies like that. Yeah, it's definitely a characteristic. It's a it's a unit on it's a profile characteristic that you don't really keep in mind until combat's happening. But when reaction fire is going to give them a free shot, a, a full unit against your models, it's something that you want to proactively try and take down with, uh, I believe, blind. Blind would bring down uh, initiative of a unit. So that, that's a... That's I know a it does weapon skill. It might do... It, I know it's... I thought that was just weapon skill and ballistic skill. Yeah. It might be initiative too. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just different things to look at to bring down your unit's initiative. And definitely something to con consider. Uh, also, guys, terrain effects by unit types uh, is is going to be something that happens. So bikes, jet bikes, artillery, cavalry, and walkers treat all difficult terrain they encounter within the zone mortalis as dangerous terrain as well. Should any of these units use a turbo boost, they must take a dangerous terrain test regardless of the ground they cover. This overrides any normal rules they possess to the contrary. So even your scimitar guys will take dangerous terrain tests on stuff they go over uh 
regardless of the ground they're going over if they decide to turbo boost, which could have them, you know, bouncing around, killing themselves before they have a chance. And and it's very easy to turbo boost around inside of a zone mortalis. It's a it's a quick way to get around and it's a quick way to play the game. Uh, but it's also a quick way to get your dudes killed. The forest moon of Endor comes to mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all models. Well, cla- blind is just blind is just uh, weapon skill and uh, ballistic skill. No, oh, that's weird that it wouldn't drop initiative. <laughs> You're still fast fighter, but <laughs> you're fine. Uh, all models classed as jump infantry or flying monstrous creatures, which move more than six inches in the movement phase. Must take a dangerous terrain every time they do so. So, if for whatever reason you have your uh, Volturax rolling around in Zomortalis and it moves more than six inches, make sure you're rolling that dangerous terrain on it. Give it at least one. I don't think it can win anyway because it's it's a monstrous creature and it's on larger than a sixty millimeter base. Oh, then I don't know which. Ju- oh, maybe an Arlatax. Yeah. It so, might be on a 60 mil. Yeah. When your Arlo Tax is jumping around in Zomortalis, make sure you're taking your dangerous terrain checks. Uh, flyers may not enter Zomortalis except using hover mode as they are then classed as skimmers. So only hover mode skimmers are allowed in Zomortalis, but I'm pretty sure they're all four, more than four inches wide. Uh, so it's probably talking about... I don't know. I don't know what flyer you can land get speeders and. Land speeders and javelins. Um, I don't think there's any like flyers with skimmer road that are. Yeah, so there's no flyers in heresy that can make it. Not yet, anyway. Well, no, not yet. Oh, Arvis? No, no Arvis. <laughs> this is probably for like the Tau. There was like a Tau drone. Cause you gotta remember these were moving over from 40k. That was like, like there was a Tau Remora drone that was pretty fucking yeah. small. I think it was a flyer. Things yeah, like that. It. All other models, including skimmers, treat a Zomortalis as both difficult and dangerous terrain in its entirety. So, all terrain, both all, a Zomortalis as both difficult terrain and dangerous terrain in its entirety. So, is it's that not everything? every time it moves? It's 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 all terrain. Okay. So, like on, on a clear t- like on a clear part of the tile, it's fine. But if you move over anything, a cardboard box. A fucking haystack that the Eye of Horse boys like so much. Whatever, it's always difficult and dangerous. <laughs> so keep that in mind, guys. If you decide to take a land speeder or a javelin or something, it's going to be dangerous terrain on everything. Uh, infantry models, infantry monstrous creatures, and beast treat a zone mortalis as they would any other battlefield where specific areas of difficult terrain and dangerous terrain are encountered. They are subject to their effects. Otherwise, the Zomortalis is treated as clear ground. Uh, wrecked vehicles are both difficult terrain and dangerous terrain in, if, a Zomor- if destroyed in Zomortalis. So that's definitely just something to consider because just walking over a busted land speeder is going to be dangerous terrain. And land speeders will be quick to go in Zomortalis. So any sort of move through cover or anything is going to definitely be something to look out when you're looking for units that walk around in some mortalis. So I think it's going to be it for what to look out for when you're picking your units. Um, there was one other thing I was thinking of. What was that? 
Um, oh, doors. We need to talk about doors, and then I'll tell you why that's important to when you select your units. So opening doors and using doors. So I mean, the bulkheads. All right, so yeah, reading on it, uh, depending on the mission you're playing, you can encounter doors that are either locked, accessible, or controlled. Uh, they should be represented on the table to show whether they're open or closed. Basically, a closed door blocks line of sight, and you may not assault through it. So a locked door is inaccessible except by destroying it or forcing or overcoming the lock in some way, which should be uh, listed in the mission special rules if there's some way to do that. But uh, once a bulkhead door has been destroyed, you remove it from play. But an accessible door can either be opened or closed by the first unit that moves into contact with it in a particular turn, allowing a unit to pass through it or to shut it behind them. So an accessible door can be used once per turn, either open or closed, but also may be destroyed at any time. And then a controlled door is a door controlled by one side of the game, such as if uh, you're being treated as a defender. And so the side which controls the door treats it as accessible, but it's locked to the opponent. And then doors, uh, bulkhead doors and airlocks are armored and reinforced structures that are therefore difficult to destroy. So unless noted otherwise in the scenario, all bulkhead doors and airlocks are treated as being armor value 13 having a single uh, and having a single hole point. So any penetrating or glancing hit would destroy it. So why this is important, people, is like if you beat, if you're playing and you're just like, I'm playing this for the first time and you just take like, you know, random Marine HQ. So say you take like a chaplain and you give him a power axe and a boarding shield and he just has his cracker and frag grenades. And then you take like some tactical squads and some breachers and you're just running around. And all you have is like crack grenades and power weapons. And your opponent is like, Oh, that's cute. And they put down some doors for their stratagems. You have no way to get through them because their armor 13 and a crack grenade will only glance armor 12. So and they will open those doors, light you up, and then get back behind the doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll so, be brutal. It's important to note that you probably want at least every guy, at least one person in every squad that has a weapon either in the shooting phase or the assault phase that's capable of at least glancing armor 13. Otherwise, you can easily find yourself trapped in areas of the board you literally just can't get out of and your opponent can ignore you. 100% guys. I mean, I've been in situations where uh, I had to beat down doors using my power fist, and that gets really hard. Like, it's as stupid as it sounds, it is pretty damn hard to get that glancing hit when you really need it, and your whole unit is stuck behind a door. Trying well, how, many, how many power fists did you, need, did you use? Just one. Okay. And this my sergeant... My sergeant was not doing his job. He could not get <laughs> the you do, door open. You do automatically hit them in close combat because they're immobile. So, you know, however many attacks you get, you do auto hit them. Um, this was one of those things when people argued that multi-bombing wasn't a thing. It was really lame. Like, you'd have a whole unit of fucking breachers, but you could only clamp, like, one thing on, on them at a time. And you could, like, flub your roll. Like, I had that, like, oh, I got 20 dudes or 15 dudes with melt-a-bombs. I'm flood the roll on the melt bomb and now all of a sudden they're stuck behind this door when they all could have put charges on it and blew it down easy so now with multi-bombing being official you know it, it just makes those melt bombs power fist you know throwing melt guns i mean anything that la las cutters 
anything that you can throw in a unit to allow it to get through a door, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. Also consider stuff that has like long range capabilities with Sunder, like uh, a Daredeo comes to mind. That just like yeah, shoot shoot over something's head, knock down the door. Then there are units that just simply don't have access. Like if you just have like uh, like we talked about, uh, like militia guys, and you don't buy them, you know they don't, you know you don't buy. I guess they have melt the bombs on surgeons like thralls for Mechanicum. You know you better attach a character to them to get the doors open because if you're just running around with a bunch of thralls, they're not going to be able to open the doors. Beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. Hack this R2. Get this door open. Nope. Yeah. I'm a brain-dead fucking serial killer <laughs> that doesn't doesn't know how to fucking hack nothing. So, yeah, it's just something to definitely keep in mind when you build your list. It's a very important aspect of the game to not forget. Always make sure that you have some sort of, you know heavy hitter in the unit that's going to be able to open the doors for you because you think that that's it. Like if you're stuck behind a door, tough cookies, dude. Like if your enemies on the other side, they know that you have absolutely nothing that can get that door open. Well, you're shit out of luck. Cause <laughs> there ain't nothing's going on. Well, right. Especially if it's like an objective mission and they're just trying to protect the objective. Why would they ever open the door and engage you? They're just going to ignore you and go kill other stuff. I, I will say that you can push your luck and there is catastrophic damage rolls that just randomly enclose open open doors that could help you, but I mean not I something you want to rely not on. Not something you want to rely on. Make sure you have some way to open up doors. Like a fucking, you know, power fist minimum. Right. So. so speaking of that, did you want to go ahead and talk about the two different catastrophic what catastrophic damage is and the fact that there's two different tables? Yeah, two different sure. official tables, but you could technically write your own if you wanted to to represent different environments. I love catastrophic damage. So just jumping in, so do you want me to read the buried alive one? Or you want to read the other one, Ryan? Yeah, I don't you can just kind of tell what it is and read the highlights. You don't have to go through every fucking thing if you don't want to. That's up to you though. Cool. So like the catastrophic damage table buried alive. Uh, one of the perils of underground or within a building in war zone is the risk of bringing the roof down on yourself and bringing, being buried alive or crushed under the tons of earth or masonry. These effects are representative in the game by the catastrophic damage table, buried alive table. When this special effect is in effect, in every turn after the each player, after each table turn after the first, each player should roll a d6 at the beginning of the turn and add these scores together and apply the results to the following chart. In addition, if any ordnance weapon has been used in the preceding turn, add plus one to the total. Note that this special rule brings hugely unpredictable and enjoyable, dangerous elements to your games and should be treated as such. So this is going to be probably one of my favorite things about Zone Mortalis is you have these like uh, effects that happen around you as you're playing. And so in this case, this would be like you're playing underground. So you roll your two dice together. If you roll two to like you roll your two dice, you add them together and add plus one if any ordinance have been used. And then, like, if you roll together a, a, between two and five, nothing happens. Pretty shitty, whatever. If you'll get a six through seven, then the winner gets to place a five-inch template. You'll have a roll-off. The winner gets to place a five-inch blast, and it's a strength five AP four hit. Units with armor value struck on the rear armor, whatever. In uh, eight through nine, dust falls, which means clouds of dust are loosened and areas filled with choking, blinding fog, for this turn, any models have their blue skill. Whatever. Anyway, 
10's a tremor, 11's a cave-in, 12's a quake. So for some reason, y'all roll a double six to each other. Every model on the table must pass a strength test to be removed or be removed as a casualty. Models with a strength score are automatically destroyed. Without. Without, without a, without a strength score. That's yeah. important. Without, yeah. Without a strength score are automatically destroyed. Buried under tons of rubble or earth. Independent characters may re-roll this test if it's failed. If a 12 plus is rolled again, treat this as having no effect. So... And this... And this is the buried alive table. There's a different one for space. This is the like underground bunker or caverns or whatever. Dude, that one is like the immediate fucking like eraser of units. Like if you have like a solar ox on the table, all of your all of your land speeders just crash. Yeah. All models have to like take a strength test and just get buried alive to death. So uh the other table that ryan's talking about is going to be the catastrophic damage table Let's see here uh, this is one oh yeah that's going to be in book three so ryan you want to read here. that one yeah it's the blood in the void five is nothing um six through seven is a power surge so um Basically, the lights go out, so it's night fighting for that turn, which can be, obviously, if you're night lords, you know, certain legions, that's a big deal for, or if you have, like, infravision or something like that would be good. Um, additionally, uh, if bulkhead and airlock doors may either open and shut. That's what Michael was talking about. Um, on an 8 through 9, it's a whole quake. All clear terrain is counted as difficult terrain for this turn, and uh, things that are already difficult count as both difficult and dangerous. So the problem with the whole quake is if you have like skimmers or jet bikes, which treat all difficult terrain as dangerous as well, this would mean the entire board is difficult and dangerous for that turn for something like that. So it, once again, crazy things. 10 is a wildfire. Uh, it's one of those where you roll off and start placing blast markers that scatter where and you can do different things. Um, 11 is depressurization. Um, Basically, you roll off, and the winner indicates an area of the board that is entirely bound with walls and or door sections. Uh, then for the that area immediately becomes subject to the cold void special rule for the remainder of the game. Should any door bounding the area be open or destroyed, the effect extends to the adjacent area as far as the next set of walls or doors, which then themselves automatically shut. Needless to say, players will have to use common sense to define the exact extent of which areas become subject to this rule. So even if you're not voluntarily using the the void and poison and air rule, these tables will sometimes interject it anyway. And then the, the 12, the devastating one, is structural collapse. So this is similar to the other one. This is uh, players roll off to determine... Uh, and the, the winner determines a single area of the board uh, that they choose, just like above, just like the depressurization. All models with a toughness value in the affected area must make immediate, must take an immediate strength four rending hit, and models with an armor value, uh, including terrain and so on, suffer a glancing hit on a four plus. In addition, the depressurization effect described above in the previous results automatically comes into play. So, I mean, just out the gate, you can already see that, like, both with the original catastrophic damage table and this catastrophic damage table, like, 
it's pretty few and far between that you're gonna need that hardened armor, that void hardened armor. But I mean, it's definitely gonna be something that's gonna benefit you. And I mean, I know that I've played a few times with the catastrophic damage table, and I think every time I've played, I've we've had that twelve rolled at least once every time we play with that table. And so that, that, that's a game changer. And if you got a bunch of suffocating militia dying, <laughs> a bunch of militia <laughs> grenaders dying, it's not a good time. So, but I mean, really, it, I mean, we're just rolling off of like us talking about like, you know, different things to consider that could happen to you when you're picking your units in Zone Mortalis. Uh, there are some units that, and this is actually one of the points that we wanted to talk about, were uh, units that really come into their own in Zone Mortalis. Um, Ryan, do you want to take it from here on that one as far as like some units that you've seen that are really just outstanding in Zomortalis and I mean per- personally, you uh, know, preachers like yeah. preachers like people don't like that we we've talked about them on the show before, you know, they're okay, they're not the greatest thing in the normal game this and that. They're really good in Zomortalis. Um especially when taken as part of the uh, Zone Mortalis specific right of war. Um, they're really good. Um, I couldn't imagine trying to deal with Iron Hands Breachers has taken part as part of the Zone Zone Mortalis specific right of war. That'd be a goddamn nightmare. Very Throwing good. a path carry in there. Good luck. Very good. Um, Terminators are already good in the standard game. They become really good in Zone Mortalis. Um, you're really elite. Like, Terminators, like Jastaran or whatever, they become like super nightmare mode. Um, like basically anything you would think that would be really good in the confines of like a tight area and in the fluff is designed for that type of space is usually pretty good in Zone Mortalis, which is what's really cool about the, the system is it really plays like it should in the fluff. So like guys with flamers are like way outperform the way they should. Um, another unit that's actually really good in zone. That's not typically great on that, uh, normal battlefield or seekers because of the, um, the one, uh, type of ammo they have that's strength, the small blast rapid fire. Oh yeah. So, so you could imagine having, you know, you don't even have to have that many, just 10 of them or sorry, five of them still shoots 10 small blasts that are strength three, but because they're blast and zone, they become shred. So it's 10 strength three shredding small blasts that don't really scatter very far. Uh, pretty nasty. And they're scoring. Yep. Good God. Yep. Pretty good. So. Man, Sisters um, of Battle with grenade launchers, now that I think about it, that's a good unit. Yep. Any Anything that has like a lot of blaster templates in it that you can get for cheap and you don't even really have to worry about something low AP having like low AP or high strength. You're just going to force so many saves usually. Um, the unit that most people like for its points, probably the best unit I've seen in zone is probably grave wardens. Like those guys are literally like if you were design a a perfect zone mortalis unit to be those guys, they got a, Poison three plus small blast. They shoot two of a piece, which you know then gain shred. Then they have um, fucking 
poison three plus heavy flamer template things. When you charge them, you charge through difficult, dangerous, and also still get wall of death. Um, even though they can do the wall of death thing, they're cataphracty. They can still fire Overwatch with their wall of death thing, um, and they're really cheap. So they're just like everything. They got two up saves, so they're void hardened. They're just fucking brutal. Absolutely brutal. Definitely don't want to see those in a Zen Mortalis game. It's going to hurt. Um, yeah. The only saving grace is they are heavy support. So, you know, most of the Zone Mortalis FLCs only allow one heavy. I think the the Defender allows two. So, you're not going to see, like, a whole shitload of them. But even just, you know, one squad of them is pretty nasty. For sure. Dreadnoughts hey, are really good. Is there any uh, is there any solar auxilla that you think that you've run in Zone Mortalis that have really shine? Uh, as far the Volkai chargers aren't bad. I would I wouldn't fall into the trap of taking the flamer support sections because, like I'm sure you guys have already talked about this, but not many of them are ever going to get to shoot if you if you're like moving down a hallway or something because flamer templates can't touch friendly models within a unit so i want to take those guys the volkai charger guys aren't bad they're good at you know they have assault weapons volkite's good they can, they have a lot of attacks in close combat above called hold the line or i think it's either hold the line or close formation fighting where if they're in base to base with each other at their initiative step they get plus one to their weapon skill so that's pretty good and easy to do in zone because you're already going to be close to each other you know anyway as far as your bases go um other than that the like those guys are just good general purpose they score all the time you know they all have hardened armor too way to go. yeah they all have they, they have the reinforce hardened armor so they get to re they get to re-roll their stuff, all that good stuff Ryan, you're saying something about dreadnoughts? No. Were you talking about Contemptor dreadnoughts, or were you talking all the way down to the Cast Fair and Box dreads, even? I think all dreadnoughts are pretty good in zone. Um, the Cordis, like, I like the Cordis anyway, but the Cordis is really good in zone because it's hard, because it only gets it saved at the front, and it's a lot easier to to not allow your enemy to get side shots when you're just dealing with hallways. So the, the weak side armor and rear armor and, and the fact that you only have a save to the front you can negate really easy in zone and then all of its special rules of that have to do with movement and getting rage and striking first and all that work in my opinion even better in zone than they do in an open battlefield just because that stuff becomes more important god what a terrible terrifying prospect of contemptor cortis running down the hallway at you just ready to kill you the only drawback to a Cordis in zone is a normal Contemptor will score because it's an elite choice, which normally normally you don't care about that because normally neither one of them score. But in zone, because a normal Contemptor scores, taking a Cordis, because a Cordis actually has a rule that says it can never be a scoring unit. Yeah. So there is a slight drawback to them in zone. So it's a give and take there. Dig it. Anything you can think of, Derek, off the top of your head? Um, I was thinking about uh, Space Wolves Death Sworn. They'd be pretty good. They got that uh, Flesh Bane AP2 grenade they can throw. So yep. that, go, that gets shred. Uh, they're elites, so they go to scoring. 
And yeah, the, no matter how many you kill, unless you wipe the unit, they get to fight back with power axes. So in close quarters, that that tends to help out. If, they, do you want some they, really dirty units that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say they eat shit to shooting, but... Good. If you want some, like, really dirty units, I, I would only ever just sprinkle these or avoid if you want to keep friends. Um, fucking Black Shield uh, Pariah Flamer team. Oh my god, Jesus. Torrent Flamer and Enzo Mortalis. Yeah, a, a ten, ten man squad of torrented flamers in zone that you don't have to worry about shooting your own guys and you still get Wall of Death and all that shit. And they gain shred. Yeah, yeah please take heart. 80, uh, 80 armor <laughs> saves, please. I ran five of them. That's the most I've ever ran in zone was five. I stopped at five. Um, just five, not five units, like one <laughs> squad five. <laughs> um, uh, pla- wow, how generous of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a plat. A plasma support team, because of the because of the way uh, the Overwatch works, if you pass your initiative check, you're firing fucking rapid fire plasma guns at full ballistic skill on Overwatch. It's pretty rude. Hey, one is- thing for uh, legions that's pretty good is this is kind of a caveat. No one ever does, but if you take a cortex controller in your list. You know how you can take like a unit of Thalax or a unit of Castlax as a heavy support choice. I've taken um, Thalax and then bought that, you know, that Zone Mortalis upgrade where they could deep strike and then gain Boy Harden. Yep. It's the cheapest one I think you can get. Give them a, a Rad Flamer, like the Rad Cleanser, and that'll give you a very mobile unit to actually like get to a section of the board you wouldn't otherwise be. If you're playing the mission where you got to destroy objectives or console or something that's a really good unit to have and not very expensive so. yeah you want to talk about mechanic units that are good in zone it's all of them it's all of them that fit. <laughs> <laughs> that's their fucking bread and butter yeah oh look this 300 point archmagos just eats my entire zone mortalis force because i can't shoot him because of the hallways and he it doesn't matter that he's not really fast like in a normal game because he's just as fast as anyone else He's a goddamn nightmare. Uh, same thing, like Scott said, like Castellax, Vorax, um, Domitar, which most people, you know, don't like. Like any, I mean, all that shit is so good in Zone. Um, Thalax are really good. I, I'd imagine I've not seen anybody use them, but the the dual power fist Thalax guys, the fast attack ones, what are those guys called? Ursarax, they're very good in it. Trust me, I've been on the receiving end of that. Yeah, I would imagine those would be pretty nasty in zone. I've not seen them, but just looking at them on paper, I bet they'd be pretty rotten. Thralls, because they're so cheap, you can make them fearless. They'd be great for holding objectives in zone and just plugging hallways. I mean, because it's pretty much got everything you need to build a fucking really nasty zone army. (laughs) Oh, my word. Well, (laughs) I guess they just get it all. They just get it all. And then Custodes... I mean, what I, what do you want to say? Uh, Shield Captain will just win a game. Like, I don't know what you do about it. Shield Captain, the shield, and the fucking Cyber Familiar, that's all you need. You don't even need anything else. It doesn't even matter how many points you play. 
hopefully you catch him in his retinue whenever you shoot your torrent flamers at him with your black shields because of uh, his by just... himself. <laughs> yeah. Very cool, dude. Very cool. Some some ideas, guys, of units you probably already have that haven't used in very many games, especially Seekers. Powerful Seekers, man. I love me some Seekers. They're scoring. They have Implacable. Yeah. I mean, they're just... Oh, Infiltrate's really strong, so like you can even use like Recon Marines because I think they can... They can take a Vox, right? Pretty sure Recon Marines can take yep. a Vox. Yep. Yep. So you can sure infiltrate can. them to get you can infiltrate them to get them in a good spot, and then deep strike in your Terminators or Thalax or whatever, like Scott said, with pinpoint accuracy, which is really important in zone. So that's actually pretty cool for Recon guys. And then you can give them like shotguns or whatever. They're still pretty expensive for what they do, but they all get melt bombs to open doors and shit. They can infiltrate. You can give them a Vox. So they have u- useful utility. That's, in my opinion, once again, more useful in zone than it is in a normal game. Yeah, I would say probably six out of the ten games that I've played of zone mortalis and events have always been like a race to something. Like, the first person to get here controls it, and this starts the game off. So when you start incorporating things that have like infiltrate, and I, I always played like Raven Guard whenever I played zone, so it was always pretty easy to... You know, like Raven yeah. Guard coming really well in Zone Mortalis. But it's all, man, it, it's all, it always seems like there's a race. So the quicker you can get up there, you're always going to want some sort of deep striking unit or some sort of infiltrating unit that scouts ahead of the rest of the force and shows up at the edge of the corners that the other armies can't. Or even like uh, Night Lord's Terror Squads. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so. they'd be good. There's a, like I said, there's a lot. There's so many units that are really good in zone. It's hard to go through all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot. It's it's just totally different. It's it's something you things that you normally wouldn't run in a normal game. If you play zone, it's like playing a whole another different game. You literally need to drag those out and at least try them because you. I mean, you'll be pleasantly surprised at how much different things will play. Oh yeah, I also ran a cyclops. I've run three cyclops in a zone yeah, mortalis. Uh, those are good. How is that? Yeah, cyclops. Like, Demolition vehicles? Oh, yeah. Well, People I forget. That. I like, love those little You bastards. leave them sitting in the same spot for like two turns, and then they forget they're sitting against the wall, and then so they move down that hallway, and you're like, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> you got like the void one, so it's like, <laughs> just tears a hole in reality, sucks them all in. It's like, oh, oh, gotcha. You're like Gene Simmons from that fucking movie where he's the bad guy where he has the little fucking droids that drive underneath cars and blow them up. <laughs> exactly that's that's exactly what cyclops do like they're so like they're so easy to avoid like you see them coming down the hallway it's like i see that like i, I see what you're trying to do with it like there's nothing you can do and then like it just once you i always push them against the side of the zone mortalis wall so like it just looks like terrain and then eventually people just forget about it and they'll come around that corner it's like did you miss this guy no <laughs> <laughs> oh. Little cyclops. Hey, what's that beeping sound? <laughs> beep, 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 beep. So I love the cyclops. So yeah, units that come into their own. Uh, another thing we wanted to talk about was going to be battlefields you'd play with Zone Mortalis. Uh, so generally, guys, just talking about battle- battlefields you're going to play. Uh, you're generally going to be seeing a 4 by 4 table just starting out, right? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. That's the recommended, four. right? 
four by four table, you're gonna see that recommended. Some some tables may play well, bigger. Here's my thing on that though. What's up? I think the game plays better on a three by three. I'm just gonna say it. It goes faster. A lot faster. It, I would imagine. It goes faster and because you have so many things that have to come in from reserve, because you're the way we didn't even get into that, but when you when you deploy your army, you have to divide your army into two halves. And, and what I mean by that, it's not by points, it's literally by unit count. So if you have five units in your army, you're going to have one group of three units and one group of units. And the three units are going to start on the board and the other two have to go in reserve. The problem is when you play four by four, especially on some of these objective missions, you'll have stuff come in from reserve and just never even take part in the battle. They'll just spend the whole game just like walking for two or three turns and never get anywhere. Well, that's no fun. So I personally prefer to play on a three by three. And then if you play bigger than a thousand points, you can go ahead and then upgrade to four by four. And to me, that's actually more useful because you don't need as many tiles or as much terrain to get started to play either. So not only do I think it's a better game game experience, but it's actually easier to get into. Now, that's just my opinion. This is not official, whatever. If you read the rules, they say four by four or six by four but to me that's i've i my experience is it plays it's more fun to play on a three by three well if you do play on a three by three and let's say that you did get the forge world set and you were playing on the forge world tile set so a four by four 16 tiles three by three is nine tiles so all you need is two extra little tiles running around and you can have two boards of zone more tiles to play games on nice correct have two games going on simultaneously. Yeah, to win. So I guess what I'm saying is don't don't be scared to just play on three by three. Like Michael said, if you buy a four by four and want to buy two extra tiles, that would be great because then if you know you you have a game club or something and you want to run multiple games, or if you're an event organizer and you have to do several Zomor Tiles boards, you may just look at doing three by three so you don't have to do as much terrain. Dig it. Yeah, especially in an event situation where quicker games are going to be better. The, the the other thing you may consider, or you, you basically need to do it, the way Zone Mortalis deployment is, your deployment zone, your table edge is actually two table edges. It's like half of one edge and half of the other. The corner? It's like a corner. So what happens is if you have something with outflank, there's always this question into, where do I outflank? What's the fucking sides? There is no rules for that, so you basically just declare it before the game. Like, you and your opponent basically decide which sides are the outflank sides. You can do that, or you can just say any side you want is an outflank side. Good. (laughs) Done that before, too. (laughs) And then what you do is you, you, uh, the only thing with that is it's like it's hard to determine, like, whether you get to choose or, um, you know, which side you come in on, this or that. Like, you basically have to roll. Um, it's it's hard to divide up that way. One, two, three, four, five, six, choose. I think probably. Yeah, but like... then you're, you're higher odds of choosing then than you are of getting. Yeah, it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like, you, it's, yeah. you just have to work it out with your opponent. It's not actual. It's something that they've never really ruled on or, or made official. So you can either just say, well, these two are the outflanking sides. Or when you outflank, you can come in on any side, and we'll just roll a d4 to see what side it is. 
Like, there is no choosing. You just roll a d4, and that's the side you get. <laughs> so it's something you're going to have to work out with your opponent early on. So if you do start decide to play some Zomortalis games, just, you know, just be gentleman about it. I mean, be yeah. an adult. Yeah, it's just like any other thing. But there's there's going to be a few little areas where you're going to run into things that aren't 100% answered. Just kind of use common sense. So... Very cool. So yeah, we we're talking about table size, we made, but we we're also good. I was gonna say we even made our own little, just our own little generic table for like doors. Remember how we talked about doors could be locked, accessible, or um, what was the other controlled? Yeah. Um. So that's normally for you don't play with any boards, and then if somebody takes the stratagem, or don't play with any doors, and then if somebody takes a stratagem to add doors, then they're obviously controlled. If you just play on a board that you've already started with doors on it, just as normal terrain, we made a little table, just a generic table, a D3 table, that you, when you made it to the door, you rolled to see what it was. So you don't know what it is until you touch the door, whether it's locked, accessible, or controlled. Mm, yeah, I, that's, I can dig it. Whether or not you need to slap a melt bomb on it. Can't tell until yeah. you get there. So that's once again, that's not in the rules, but it's something real easy to do. Just make a little D three table. Yeah, there's a lot of little fun stuff you can do like that with Zomortalis. Yeah. So we were gonna go over some of the different battlefields you might encounter in Zomortalis. And so I mean, you're not always limited to the bulkhead of a ship or, you know, the inside of a building using the forge world walls and things like that uh i mean they definitely you will see that most of the time i would imagine if especially if you're at events there's probably going to be a few of those uh forge world zone mortalis tables lying around to play on uh but i mean really i've seen people like tim over at the eye of horus he's made a jungle zone mortalis table which is really dense shrubs and dense shrubbery and he still uses all the normal Zone Mortalis stratagems plus his like own special stratagems that he brought up that he's kind of made into Zone Mortalis. I mean, what are some other ones you've seen? I know the Buried Alive table uh, mentions uh, like underground tunnels and caverns. Okay. Like if you used to represent that. At, at Adepticon, the Grand Legion made one that was like an asteroid, supposed to be like asteroid caverns. So they just put down like a rocky looking battle mat and then made these real big, tall, like, rock spires and just had a bunch of them put real close together where it looked like canyons and rock spires that you were fighting through, like, on the face of an asteroid or a moon. Badass. Um, they also made one that was, like, the a bunch of, like, space station-looking towers and walls. Imagine, like, uh, in Star Wars where they fly down the fucking canyon to do, like, the Death Star run. Like what the yeah. surface of the Death Star looks like. Imagine something kind of like that, but with more height elevation and, and more than just one channel. They made a table like that. It was supposed to be like the surface of a space station. Um, and you could fight through that. That was a zone board that I saw. And then you, the other one that I saw that was popular was just a really super dense city fight board. Like you just cram a whole bunch of buildings together. Do you imagine like uh, you see some of those like middle eastern or north african cities of like they have like the adobe buildings where they're just like almost on top of each other or like even favelas, some like favelas in like brazil and stuff like that yeah shit like that where it's just a total maze like 
of structure and there's like little just alleyways going between all of them that would be a cool zone board hell yeah so definitely some cool ideas there you know guys a lot of these rules that you see in there don't limit don't limit yourself to playing just in these like just in these small bulkhead environments if you if you want to play zone mortalis you can pick up pretty much any table and just use the rules and pl- apply it to said densely packed table of terrain. Really, there's nothing stopping me from doing that. I have a sewer board. Remember that for my event, I had a city yep. set up with sewer, like actual sewer manholes, and then I had a board next to it that was like actual sewers laid out, and then I had corresponding ladders in the sewer to the manholes on the surface, and you could descend the ladders and go and fight Zone Mortalis below the city in the sewer. Get all the benefits of Zomortalis in the sewer, but get all the fresh air in the non-sewer. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to set it up, basically if you're trying to set up like a Mortalis event from scratch, uh, I've seen some people use like the Dungeons and Dragons like terrain tiles. Like, it, well, it's not th- like 3D terrain. It's just kind of like the ones that come with Necromunda, but those for like caverns and even some sewer sewer ones. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are using those Necromunda tiles. Freddy build a Zomortalis board, he bought like a game mat EU, the one that looked like a starship interior, the mat itself, and then bought Mega Blocks, like the real big Lego-looking blocks, the Mega Blocks, that you get Duplo. a whole bunch of them for cheap. Yeah, and then he uh, put them all together, or he painted them all black, and then you can just stack them together to make your hallways and corridors. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> powerful, powerful Freddy with his powerful, powerful Mega Blocks. And I yeah, I have seen blocks. I have seen people take like uh, insulation foam and cut walls to fit on the black spots of the uh, Necromunda Zomortalis tiles, so that it makes it look a little yep. closer to the Forge World one. Very cool. Tons of different ideas out there, guys. Um, I mean, really, we're, we're <laughs> you can do anything with enough work. I mean, it's not you know. Don't let the uh, the feel of need for the Forge roll tiles stop you from playing Zone Mortalis. You know, you can definitely get in with what you got probably already at your local game store. Yeah, because that's a pretty hefty investment for that board. Absolutely. So, speaking of doors and stuff like that, Ryan, you want to go into some stratagems? Sure. Okay. There's probably. Michael likes stratagems. Yeah, man. So, like, we played Zone Mortalis for the longest time uh, without stratagems. Not, you know, not Ryan. I'm not speaking for Ryan. I'm speaking for our our group here. We just got the uh, Zone Mortalis rules like little kids and just, uh, you know, went to town on them. Didn't even read, I guess, the full amount of rules. And so we didn't realize there was different stratagems you could use and different stratagems that you could employ uh, with your games. And I feel like there's not a whole bunch of people that, read that part of the rule set so it's definitely something that uh we've talked about on the show before but it's not something that we've gone over uh, so zomortalis stratagem is an optional rule that allows unique and unusual tactical terrain and equipment to play a part in your zomortalis games it allows you to replicate the conditions of fighting in the shattered towers sewers and bunker networks of battle ravaged cities or the dark winding confines of space station under siege by an enemy force. 
The use of such stratagems is neither compulsory nor, strictly speaking, needed, but they can add new dimensions and a few nasty surprises to your games. They also represent a great excuse to indulge your modeling prowess and make some special terrain pieces and purpose-built Zone Mortalis conversions. Wherever possible, you should endeavor to represent stratagems suitably to the gaming table and make absolutely sure your opponent knows what they are, as this is only fair. So this is actually probably like one of my favorite part right now is making these stratagems uh, for Heresy Camp. Ryan's actually going to have a Zone Mortalis event going on. So I'm over here making Zone Mortalis stratagems because like I volunteered myself to do that. And I'm like super excited for some of these like cool stratagems that uh, are in the Blood in the Void expansion. And then of course, Powerful Tom over in Australia has a whole bunch of custom stratagems as well that I'm hoping to bring over as well. So uh, there are many possible stratagems and only a handful listed here. You can find different stratagems of both the Planet Strike and Cities of Death Warhammer 40,000 expansion books intended for use within those games when you may wish to modify and use where appropriate in your Zone Mortalis games. I didn't know that. That's a new. That's That's some cool stuff. Uh, unless specified in their description, each stratagem may only be taking once per force. Uh, so your initial, your issued out stratagem points, guys. If you weren't aware of how stratagem works, uh, some stratagems are simply more powerful than others, or just more useful in general. This is reflected by a cost in stratagem points. Stratagem points are also handy for keeping a check on the use of stratagem and make sure that they don't get out of hand in the game. In a Zone Mortalis mission, it is recommended that each side has an allowance of one stratagem points plus an extra one stratagem point for every full 500 points of their force. So a 1,000-point Zone Mortalis force would have three stratagem points to spend. So very cool. Uh, so just, I mean, I guess just general stratagems, what we're going to kind of go over here is, I mean, you have different things you know you have what's called these general stratagems which are like different moves and things like that like tunnel access and then you have uh attacker stratagems defender stratagems which are like barricades and things like that there's traps and everything um do you just want to go over some of your favorite ones ryan some of the ones that probably stand out most to you instead of going through all of them because um, there's quite a bit yeah so my so as far as general stratagems the one that is super popular that you'll see all the time. Like once people get the hang of the game and they realize how the game plays, the one that is almost involved in every game that I've ever seen is flanking counter assault. It's a, it's a two pointer. Um, so the way this works is the player has sent a portion of their fort off, often attempt to outflank the enemy in hopes of cutting them off and enabling them to be isolated and destroyed. Before the game begins, the player may nominate, uh, by writing it down, a single unit that is to be held in reserve to be their flanking force. When this unit becomes available, it may interplay normally via the reserve rule, uh, or it may use their opponent's deployment zone's table edge to do so if they wish. So you can either interplay normally through your own deployment zone, like walk on from your own board edge, or walk on from your opponent's board edge. That's fucking wild. <laughs> Boo, motherfucker. Boo. <laughs> so what that's... what The way I used to always use it was a uh, Flamestorm Cannon Box Dread. is really funny to come on behind someone. 
because this is one of those ones you don't have to inform your opponent of. It's just like a surprise butt sex one. You don't have to tell them you have it until it's revealed. <laughs> Cordis Dreadnought coming in your way. <laughs> coming in hot, son. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's and, fast. Uh, you got to remember, you got to put half your army in reserve anyway. So this is a way that you can make sure that some of the units that you're putting in reserve 100% become useful. The other thing is because some of the hallways are so narrow and the way zone works, say you have a dreadnought, say you took multiple dreadnoughts or uh, like Scott said, two Castellacs or something. If one gets in close combat and it gets in this weird slugfest close combat and the other one's behind it, it can't get around it in the hallway. It's stuck there. So if you have like something with a large base, it's usually, it's, it's in my opinion, it's cool to flanking counter assault it just so that your other things aren't going to get stuck behind it. If that makes any sense, yeah, you're sending it a different get way. In a combat that's going to block the rest of your army from moving forward, where they have to find a new hallway to get down to take care of business. Because old, right? And it's powerful yeah. ancient. Jethro. And it's not something you have to use. So, like, if you take it and you write that unit down, and then your opponent maybe anticipates you doing that, or when it becomes available for reserve, when you roll for reserve and you roll, and it's like, oh, it comes on. If you look and there's really not a good spot to put it, but you can always just default and bring it on like normal anyway. So it, it does kind of suck because you've wasted your two stratagem points if that happens, but it is what it is. So the other one that's kind of cool is the tunnel access, which isn't as good as the flanking counter assault, but it's, it's sort of similar. So the way it works is uh, you may place three hatch markers anywhere on the table no less than 12 inches apart from each other and not within impassable terrain. Should you wish it, any units with the infantry type in your reserve may interplay via the deep strike rules using one of these hatches only as the chosen arrival point from, and, uh, from which they, uh, their arrival may scatter normally. That's pretty cool. So, so you just like fall out of the ceiling. So you're crawling around in the in the air conditioned vents. Yeah, air like the, old, yeah. the old burglar busting through the ceiling tiles. <laughs> it's it's pretty expensive, and because there's a marker on the table that basically shows where you're going to show up. If your opponent's smart, they'll just run to the marker and stand a bunch of guys around it to make it almost unusable. Because then, if you try to fucking come in around it, you're very likely just a mishap. If that makes any sense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, but it is pretty useful when you're playing missions that have, like, the race, like we were talking about earlier, like the race to the uh, the Mega Cannon or whatever, the race to the control panel or the the throne or some shit. And it's like, eh, hey, I found this tunnel access that leads right to the room that we need to be in. Yeah. So, so those are... Uh, then there's one where you can take a sentry gun. So it's just kind of kind of cool you get an extra model uh which is always kind of neat uh it's a little bitty artillery piece it's basically like you take a quad gun or a tarantula anything like that um but you can choose one of the following weapons twin linked heavy bolter twin linked heavy flamer twin linked rotor cannon so it's basically like a tarantula if you don't own a tarantula like i said you could just use like a quad gun from an aegis line to represent it or make your own oh so in the blood and the void expansion it's a it's a rotor cannon yeah. Oh, okay. And the original was an assault cannon, which is like c- clearly the option you should go with, like out <laughs> of all of them. But 
but yeah, no, it's definitely cool. For two stratagem points, you can get a uh, a little tarantula to block a hallway for you that's automated. Um, um, then one that's unheralded, but it's actually not bad for one point, And you can take it multiple times are last cutters. Um, and what it is, is, uh, if you choose it, you choose a single infantry model other than an independent character that is not already equipped with a weapon bought as a unit upgrade. This model is now equipped with a last cutter. Um, the, re- the reason that's halfway decent is like we talked about with the doors, having a way to get through doors. So say you want to take a unit and maybe that you didn't have points to buy that specific unit a way to get through doors or maybe that unit never has anything available to get through doors like I, I talked about thralls. Yep. You could at least spend one of your strategy points to throw a last cutter in your thrall unit or whatever where they at least have something that can get them through a door in a pinch. That's what, 9-2 last cutter? Close combat weapon? One time, like... It might be 9-1. It's, but it's like a close combat weapon... That's yeah. just you know you do give all your attacks in for a single hit, but yeah, it's 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 very likely to cut through a door because it auto hits and whatever. That's basically what it's designed for. Cool, cool. And then uh, one so, tactic that I know that I learned from you was the one stratagem point fire wasp unit, and that that's well, that's in the that... attack. We're gonna go to that next. Yeah. Oh. So the reason the reason that's important. Remember we talked about your two halves of your force and you only get to start with one half and the other half goes in reserve. So let's say you build your army and you got four units. You're going to have two on the board and two off. If you want to um, push something out and get more units on the board to begin with, for your, with one of your stratagem points, you could buy, if you're the attacker, you could buy this fire wasp, which isn't super great, but then you could then take the fire wasp and it becomes a unit that you can then start in reserve to push one of your good units out. So now you have five units instead of four, so you're getting to start with essentially three of your four units, and then your Fire Wasp and your other unit um, are, you know, starting in reserve, which is better than whatever. So that could technically be, you know, that might be the difference of getting like a Veteran Squad or a Terminator Squad or something like that on the table um, that you wouldn't normally get. For one stratagem point. And I've actually won games of the Fire Wasp. I've denied objectives with it. Um, I, it, it You'd be surprised. Dead like, soldier's eyes. I mean, it's, it's so silly. It's just like a little, you know, two-wound model with a flamer. It, it doesn't do a whole lot. But, it, like, when it does do something, you know, you didn't pay anything for it. It's pretty spectacular. And it's one of the four, one of the more fun things to try to think of a model for. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about like all of our listeners out there and like they're probably like, man, that fire wasp, I've never even heard of that. Like, and then there's also what the the press gang crew as well. You can make a little well, unit of that's that's defender. Yeah. We can talk about that when we get to defender. Just going all around with the stratagems at this point, really. Like just oh, okay. just, just so, glossing over to all the stratagems right now. So you can buy you can buy barricades, which is basically an Aegis wall. I mean, for the game, like if you're the defender, doors are a big one. Doors are almost in all of them. You'd be surprised, like like we said, they're so important and they can be hard to get through. And it's one of those things you should you should consider taking, just because 
the way they work, it buys you time, especially in an objective mission as a defender. It, it literally can eliminate like a whole turn of your opponents where they're just having to fight through the door. So even if they have a whole unit of guys with chain fists that are definitely going to get through the door, what you can do, because you know they're going to have to assault the door to get it, you can stand on the other side with plasma guns. So then on their <laughs> turn, they have to assault the door, kill the door, but because it just counts as a vehicle, you don't get to consolidate. So you're all standing in a real tight group where you've just... <laughs> Killed the door, and then on your opponent's turn, they immediately just shoot shoot your fucking face off with plasma guns or whatever they got waiting on the other side. So you can set little death traps uh, with them. So it's definitely something to consider. It's it's one of the better uh, stratagems or the the bulkheads and doors. Um, the press gang crew, like Michael talked about, um, and the devastation drone. The devastation drone's an attacker one. Um, and the press gang, the voidsman's crew, and the uh, the murder servitors are both defender ones, and they you can use those for the same way as you can the uh, the fire wasp, where you or the press gang crew you can anyway. You can throw that in reserve as a, as opposed to one of your units. Um, the murder servitors are actually pretty fucking cool. Like they're actually pretty good. Like they're I think a fairly legit stratagem. I don't know what you think. <laughs> absolutely man like they're robots that sit inside of a closet until the captain flips a button that turns all of them on and they come out of the closets like where like out of the food pantry a murder (laughs) servitor is awakened who has like blade knives fingers like run murder protocol run murder pro and like i just imagine like the narrative story behind it like the captain telling everybody on the ship to make sure they have their RFID fucking tags on. It's like, <laughs> hey guys, murder servitors out. <laughs> guys, guys, I can't find my fucking sh- I can't find my name tag. <laughs> yeah. So these these things are weapon skill five, ballistic skill one, which doesn't matter because they don't have any shooting. Strength five, so they're gonna wound. They're usually hitting on threes, wounded on threes. Usually, they're only toughness three. They're one wound. Initiative three, three attacks. Leadership eight, but they're fearless. Uh, they're close combat. They have a close combat weapon with rending, and uh, you get three of them. So you got to think on the charge. They're they're four attacks, and you're getting three of them. So twelve rending attacks on the charge at weapon skill five that you're getting essentially for free. You just spend your uh, stratagem points. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. Yeah, I love all the different modeling ability. Like just the the modeling a little gang, like a little crew of voidsmen and then like modeling up, uh, uh, some murder servitors and things like that. And the devastation drone, like there's all this extra stuff that you get to have that you get to use across all different armies. Anybody can use it. And it's like, I mean, I love modeling stuff up. Like, yeah. yeah. So the devastation drones, a little drone you can drive up to someone and when it detonates, it detonates like a battle cannon. Strength 8 AP3, large blast. So it's like getting hit with a battle cannon. And then it obviously has shred because it's a template. So. Kaboom! Yeah, it's like a mini Cyclops. Like a stratagem point Cyclops that you can get in your army. It's yeah. fucking cool as shit, man. Me and Mike were joking about it being like the little like little black RC car you see on the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little BB-8 rolls up on you. Hey, little guys. There's something like... Do you guys even know what I'm talking about? What is that Gene Simmons movie where he's the bad guy with the little robots that drive under cars? <laughs> I'll look this up for you right now. 
Uh, you know, have I don't you know seen what the movie? it is, but no, no, I was just going with you. Oh my god! I mean, I might have seen little, it. He's got these little spider robots that like uh, seek you out. They jump on you. And, yeah, and they inject <laughs> hydrochloric acid in your veins. And he's got a gun that uh, he puts DNA into the bullets, and it traces it. He can fire it, and it homes in on your DNA, so it'll go around like corners or go through a crowd of people. And it's like a bolt gun. It like hits you and like blows you apart. <laughs> Badass. <laughs> I was gonna say Batman, but that sounds way cooler. Yeah, it's a movie runaway from 1984. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. Is it on Netflix. <laughs> we'll we'll make sure we watch it. It's on Vudu. <laughs> I'll pick it up for two ninety nine. Yeah, Gene Simmons is the bad guy. It's it's pretty funny. So, a lot of modeling advantage out there, guys. Like, there's like a lot of like modeling ability with Zone Mortalis. And especially, you know, like if you're going to uh, try and run some events or anything like that in your area, or you're going to try and like get Zomortalis started in your area. You know, it's, uh, I'm always up for modeling more stuff. Oh, yeah. For everybody. <laughs> What's Scott doing? <laughs> oh, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, Scott, <laughs> Scott, Scott keeps right. coming in and out because right. his internet's not the greatest, or Michael, I don't know what's going on with everybody's internet. Yeah, his picture froze the other day. I guess he was like looking down at something, and he had like his paintbrush in his mouth. Yeah. So it looked like he just kind of like nodded off a little bit. <laughs> He's also been sick. Stroked so we just out. we just assumed you stroked out. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, but yeah, I mean, that's really, much, yeah, there's other stratagems, but that's pretty much like the main ones you'll see that are pretty fun. Different ones you can model. Yeah, guys, I would say definitely pick up the, you know, uh, go to the, like, if, you know, you're, like, listening to this podcast, you want something immediate, you want that instant gratification of seeing what kind of stratagems you can offer, you can go to the Forge World Facebook, or the Forge World page, download those Zone Mortalis rules, but do yourself a favor, find somebody with book three, get those actual true Blood in the Void stratagems. That way you can uh, that way you can see all those fun things or hit one of us up, guys. Uh, I have the stratagems available that I can send your way if you need some help with that. I know my email is about to get flooded. Michael at Warhammer30k.com, and uh, I'll get you the information you need to start getting Zone Mortalis games going and to start making your own custom cool fucking stratagems. Like once you see them, like I can already tell your mind's gonna be like racing on like all the cool like little crews that you can make. And like all the fun little things that you can have going for you, like it's. Uh, I just want to say, yeah, you can make your own stratagems too. Like the like you said, the guys, the loaded dice guys, um, and uh, Andrew uh, Hollis, they they made a bunch of theirs for their last event, a bunch of different ones. Yeah, they made their own for Act is Act of Heresy, right? Was it Act? Yeah, yeah. They actually yeah. had a white table. And they printed all the stratagems onto cards and they laid out on this table like 30 to 40 stratagems. They laid all the cards out and on top of the cards, they had models on top of them. They had like uh, like thrones and stuff like that. They had doors. And all you would do is whenever you were grabbing your stratagems, you'd grab that stratagem with the card and you'd take it to your Zone Mortalis game and you'd put it out there and you'd have your little card so you remember what the rules did. It was fucking cool as shit i think uh i think if you go to the australian 30k page you can see some live footage from that uh that i believe 
Tom or Andrew uh, recorded with, like they recorded that live footage, and you can see that table, and that table is absolutely one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Um, the Grand Legion guys did that for Adepticon one year too. They used the Lodge Priest model, the special edition Lodge Priest model, as one of the stratagems. They had a mission around him. They had a mission around the um, the Navigator model. Yep. And then they had like a, a Seeker kill team. It was like two or three Seekers that were just painted like neutral gray, like assassin models that you could take control of. Um, they had one where it was supposed to be the hangar of like a, a landing ship for a night house. And they had bays with knights in them. And if you did certain things, you could activate a knight armor. Or if you, the, some, like the pilots were trying to get to the knights or whatever. And if you didn't do something fast enough, the knight would wake up and just start killing everybody in like the main hangar. Oh, shit. Wow. What cool. a fucking Holy cool fuck. narrative right there. So, so, so you have like a hangar with a knight in it. You're fighting around like terrain, but then it has a chance of literally just like waking up. And then you're like, in, so it's like a zone mortalis with one big room in the middle with a live knight in it running around killing shit. Cool. Kill mode activated. It's like, well, we're not going to make yeah. it to the objective on time unless we go through the death room. <laughs> There's just a knight just just walking around the room like a boss in a video game. <laughs> so you could sneak past him or you could fight him. I recommend sneaking past him. Nah, dog, I paid, the, I paid the points for the last cutter. <laughs> we're taking this knight down. So... Very cool, very cool. So yeah, so stratagems definitely the way to go. Uh, definitely go look at those. Just, just I, like I, I get so excited just talking about them that I wanted to record a whole Zone Mortalis episode just so we could talk about them. And <laughs> here we are. I also just wanted to learn more about Zone Mortalis because I don't know any. I, well, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, uh, coming up in March whenever we start doing our Escalation League with Powerful Pretty. Uh, yeah. I, going, I know it was going to start off with some. Zone Mortalis is some of the lower point games. Yeah. We're going to have a one-up because we listened to this episode or recorded this episode. Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, the last thing that I have on this list, Ryan, is the Zone Mortalis Ride of War. Y'all, we can just kind of read it and um, talk about what it does and why it's good. Did we lose Scott again? Scott gone again? No, no man, I'm here. I, I oh, think. he's here. And my, my fucking camera isn't on. God damn, dude. <laughs> I'm sandwich right now. Scott's right. like, I ain't dead yet. All right. So Zomortalis Ride of War. Let's see what we got going on here. So Zomortalis Ride of War, if you have the Leaders of Stardes uh, book, the main Space Marine red book, uh, you'll find it on page 104. It's going to be the Ride of War, the Zomortalis Assault Force. Uh, so the effects this does, it has shock force rule, which means Legion Terminator squads may be selected as non-compulsory troop choices. Uh, teleport assault means any one Legion Terminator squad included may be given the deep strike special rule, representing a teleport assault. And then they have interlocking defenses. When in the Mortalis game, a Legion Breacher squad whose members are all currently in base-to-base contact, forming an up- unbroken train and neither fleeing nor pinned may add plus one to all invulnerable saves. That's pretty brutal. So that that's a five up against shooting and a four up in close combat. And then, like I was saying earlier, with iron hands, you're already minus one uh, 
strength of your shooting attacks when shooting at them. Um, or if they somehow manage to squeeze Stone Gauntlet in with Imperial Fist or plus one toughness. Then you throw an Apothecary in there to give them Feel No Pain, and you can start to see where they're not going to die real super easy. It's a Phalanx coming at you live. So People are limitations- like, oh, well, they're, they're all packed together. I'll just shoot them with these Flamers. Yeah, well, they have hardened armor, so they get to re-roll uh, failed <laughs> armor saves. So, yeah. Try for every 10... Wo- for every 10 wounds, one will get through, roughly. Um, and then they, if they have an apothecary, they get feel no pain. So out of those 10 wounds, one of every three of those, they'll save anyway. So <laughs> It's where they really, Breacher's really coming to their own on this with this Red of War. There you have it. These yeah. immortals, Volkai chargers, same, same, same jam, pretty much. Uh, the, the limitations on this, no unit may include more than 15 models, uh, which you're kind of limited to anyway, but that's kind of, you don't always have to use it in Zomortalis. No vehicles other than walkers may be taken and no super heavy vehicles or gigantuan creatures may be taken. So, (laughs) damn it. Simple enough on that one. So powerful. If you want to run a number of breachers, then Zomortalis right of war is definitely going to be a good way to go. (laughs) <laughs> we're all laughing because Ryan's powerful kitty Pete is uh, <laughs> he is making biscuits on Ryan's leg and unfortunately <laughs> Pete is just just smaller than what you would imagine a mountain lion is and <laughs> he's every bit as vicious of said mountain lion Pete's a rescue big cat <laughs> if I've ever seen he's one bobcat size He's a big giant kitty. So I don't know. <laughs> That's his own mortalis right of war. I mean, what else can you say? Well, the reason I like it and some things you can look into, you get that free deep strike on a Terminator unit. So once again, because you have to start half your units in reserve, that gives you one that you can throw in reserve that would normally have to walk on that can now deep strike where the action's at. And that really tough breacher squad that we talked about as your one troop's choice, your compulsory troop, you could take yeah. one of those breacher units and then give that unit a box so that when that Terminator unit comes available, you can just come in off your breacher unit that started on the board. So it gives you some real good synergy right there that you're getting to use basically all the aspects of the right of war right off the bat. Do you think anybody's ever taken a breacher unit and put the shield on top? On top. Yeah, like like phalanx style. Oh, like he's holding the shield up. Yeah, he's like holding the shield up. You ever seen that? Probably. Has anybody done that? Uh, mm, no. Okay, not seen that's it. Fi- that's fine. <laughs> I guess if you built like a if you built like a fucking display, like a a diorama or something, you had like a fortress with like dudes up on the rampart, like shooting bolters down, and you had like some breacher dudes like coming at the gate or whatever, and they had like some in the back row hold it up, that would be kind of rad, but for a normal game, I don't think I'd want to model my guys like that. That'd be dope. Phalanx style. So. Well, all right. What, what rights do you like in zone, Scott? What's that? What right of war do you like in zone? What have you played? Oh, in? gosh. Um... 
like just general rights of war, not like Legion specific ones. I know you played Brotherhood of Iron once, didn't you? Or did you just take Yeah, a- man. I really like that one. The Brotherhood of Iron one, just because I think it's really hard to make that one feasible on like an open battlefield because there's so many prerequisites for it. You have to have like a Forge Lord. You have to have so many Cortex controllers. You have to have so many units of uh, like cybernetic cortex there's all these prerequisites that would make that a very hard right of order to field you know in a in a typical like conventional battle space but in zomortalis it kind of becomes a little bit easier because smaller the forest organization chart there's not as much shit as it's compulsory you only have one compulsory hq one compulsory troop and then you can kind of go with it where you want to with like just say the the Zone Mortalis combatant force organization chart. So what I like to do is I take Iron. Um, I'm an Iron Warriors player, and their uh, their like HQ choice, the Warsmith, is one of the compulsory options for the Brethren of Iron Right of War. So you take him, buy the Cortex controller, and bam, you've pretty much met the prerequisites for building that force, and then you can take up to two Castle Axes troops. Um, you can you know throw, throw in a borax unit if you want whatever whatever your flavor is and it, and those units obviously are really good zone mortalis and like you, you can run a one off unit that's just one castle axe or something like that in zone mortalis and it not just get immediately shot you get a lot more out of those four wounds on a just a lone castle axe in zone mortalis than you do on you know any game so you get to kind of amass your units and have you know that that sweet spot of like six or seven units so you have a good balance of things that are starting on the table things that are starting in reserve and things that you can use stratagems on to kind of maneuver them around the battlefield so i really like that have you used iron circle in zone uh, no i haven't i haven't i bet they would be pretty fucking brutal because they're they're like brutal anyway you know on just the regular tabletop for the most part and jesus christ almighty that like that that effectively takes out when you play iron circle all you really have to worry about are sniper vets and like phosphex in some cases and even they don't really give a fuck about phosphex because they re-roll their saves against their impulse saves so yeah man that that would be something else be a beastly little guy running around <laughs> with his big old hammer. Yeah, yeah man. Smashing fucking people into a bull. Home run derby style. Just opening doors. Smashing, smashing people into air ducts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Teeing up like Tiger Woods. <laughs> run for Mortarian. Don't ever play anybody that wants to use Mortarian in his own Mortalis. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> That's my worst nightmare come true. Ghosts walking through walls, fucking shooting you in the back of your dreadnoughts with a strength 8 AP1 sundering gun, infinite fucking phosphex bombs, instant death fucking crazy scythe weapon in close combat. Not good. He has, he's not bound by the walls of Zone Mortalis, so he'll just show up behind you. Why do you have a quarter in your hand? Well, I'm going to put this down. This is where he started to ghost walk, and then I measure 10 inches from this, which is three corridors over. 
then he appears. Ha ha! And then he gets to assault. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. Blew up oh, a dreadnought. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> so, awesome, guys. Uh, if you have any Zomortalis questions or you have any Zomortalis concerns, you know what? Just go ahead and hit us up on Facebook. Leave us a visitor message. Like, we've been getting a lot of those lately, so I'll be checking them. Like, <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> um, we have actually we got a bunch of Zomortalis emails and whatever uh, we're going to answer them next week you want to just do like a email episode next week or list episode absolutely like, we have to yeah we're pretty much okay uh, so we need to so we got a few extra spillovers from the Imperial Fist episode and, and we'll do all the Zomortalis stuff next episode this this episode was like super long we actually had to record it over two days we were having internet trouble um, then I had all my trouble at my house and shit like that. So it's just been, been rough to get this. And this is a long episode anyway. So we'll do all the questions, emails, voicemails, all that stuff next episode. Yeah. I need to do that shout out for, uh, Jake Bussey's, tr- <laughs> Jake Bussey's fake account. Hold on one second. Oh yeah. If I can just find that real quick. Powerful Josh Sands is who I wanted to shout out from because okay. I told him that I would say that fire, fire drakes are point for point the best legion unit, the best legion terminators in the game. Uh, he said he wants us to let everybody know. Will you at least talk about how fire drakes are the best legion specific unit in the game before Sekhmet came out? Uh, but I, I did want to just give him that shout out because I told him I would. So, so I'm just letting all you guys know that Josh feels that way. Okay. <laughs> I think he wanted you to word it like it was the truth, though. Oh. No, he just wanted people to hear it. <laughs> they were. They were until Custodes and Sekhmet came out. and We said Legion specific, so Custodes doesn't count. No. There's arguable other units that are better anyway, just when you look at a points efficiency standpoint, because those things are really expensive. They are really good, though. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I play Salamanders. They're one of my favorite units in the game. They're brutal, man. They're brutal. They're solid. They do work. But... Butchers. (laughs) Butchers are good. (laughs) Butchers are good. But anyway, guys, uh, check out our Facebook page, Radio Freest Van. Uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, concerns, we all have emails. Michael at Warmer30k.com, Ryan at Warmer30k.com, Scott at Warmer30k.com, and Derek at Warmer30k.com. Shoot us an email. Uh, we didn't do voicemails this episode, but we have them waiting in the bank already. Normally on all of our episodes, we will listen to voicemails that you guys call in and leave us. Right now, it's like bear attack stories is a thing going on. So if you got any animal attack stories, you'll fit right in leaving a voicemail about that. Uh, our voicemail number is 209-RFI-30K0. Or you go to our Facebook page, hit the little call button, and it'll call straight to our voicemail. Uh as well, guys, if you really enjoy our podcast, we do have a Patreon. A dollar gets you into our Patreon Crusader host, which is a number of different Horus Heresy-minded individuals who are talking day and night. You have to mute it because if you don't, then you'll just – there's no way your phone will survive through the night. And it's just a constant conversation uh, of that. And we also have a special closed group that our 
Patreon members get to take advantage of. Uh, it's like a dollar an episode can get you into that. It's no big deal. NBD. Uh, we also have an affiliate program with Audible. So if you want to listen to the Horace Heresy books, all Audible has all those Horace Heresy books on it right now. So if you like audio books, like if you, I guess if you like podcasts, hopefully you like audio books. If you go to rfibook.com, you get a 30-day free trial, which gives you a free book in the process, so you can go get any of the free books you want, uh, also including the Primark series. All the Primark series are up on there right now. I've been using my uh, once-a-month little token they give you to buy that Primark series every time one drops. So uh, They're about two weeks behind, but they're there. But... I don't think I missed anything. If you're an international listener and you want to send us a voicemail, uh, you can record it on an MP3 or WAV format and send it to our email addresses, and we'll play it just like you called us in normally. Like, or you the... could be like Tim from I Have Horus and fuck it up and send us two silent messages like you did last episode. That was Tim, yeah. by the way. I was told last night. Silent, like not even silent breathing, just straight up, like. Call us and I guess not have your microphone on and just waste our goddamn time. If you could do that, <laughs> if you could waste everybody in the podcast goddamn time, like Tim from Eye of Horus did, then you can, then, then you can do that. So, but that's gonna be it for this episode, dude. I'm I'm, I'm happy about it, man. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for this escalation league that we're about to get into. Because I want to kick some ass with, like, I want to take the crewman stratagem so I can take my little six men of crew, like, with their little beanies. So they can, Speaking like, of escalation, I'm finally caught up, Scott. I can play now. I'm at your guys' point level, painted model-wise. Awesome. Saturday. We got to fucking grab whatever loyalist fucking dogs show up and just grab them by their ankles and beat them together like old rugs all Saturday <laughs> long because we're fucking, we're, we're, we're taking it right now on the well, chin. Uh, I got grave wardens, baby. So we're good, good to go. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. You know, you know, Ryan in our escalation league, uh, one of the guys like was like, "Is anybody playing Custodes? I'm gonna play Custodes." And I was like, "You piece of shit, you, you motherfucker!" <laughs> People would probably be mad that I have grave wardens in zone, but in my defense, I literally have four units painted, and I wasn't paint. I was painting the army for open battlefield at Adepticon. And it just so happens that I have to use like that's all I have to play in this escalation league. So it is what it is. Oh no! I guess I'll just have to use these grave wardens. I guess exactly. <laughs> yep, that's how it worked out. No, well, well, all right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy the music. Uh, it's probably going to be from the SoundCloud of Powerful Canty. That's C A N T I. Canty is the music that we've been playing and, and i get a lot of questions about that he's probably one of my favorite artists that i found on soundcloud that that lets you download his music for free and play it so go give him a listen go give him a like tell him we sent you so y'all have a good one guys bye bye Everything is ordinary. It's just something I always do. It's ordinary.
extraordinary.